and welcome to the NovaCast, a Digimon rewatch experience. I'm Sloan. I'm Scrafty. And I'm Tom. And today we are covering episodes 46 and 47. We're getting some good lore in. We're going to see the last appearance of an old friend. And we're getting closer and closer to the dreaded epilogue and the end of this series. <laughs> so overall... These episodes were probably the best one, some of the best ones that we've watched in a while, I feel like. These these I, episodes I were quite good. Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty good. I don't think we have much to say. We don't have much preamble, honestly, for before. So are you both good with uh, me starting with episode 46 then? Let's dive right in. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so episode 46, Duel of the War Greymon. So the episode begins with the Digidestin, the new Digidestin, meeting up with Ken's father at his work to find out about Yukio Oikawa, who worked at the same company as him, but he went missing shortly before all of the kidnapping stuff occurred in the past few episodes. So although he seems relatively normal or as normal as a dude with like the palest skin can be, like they're still sort of confused with like what is going on with him and Arukenimon Mummymon. So, on the other hand, the trio of villains have gone to Mount Fuji, and they're in like an old cabin, and they're laying low until they can go back to the children who have had the dark spores implanted in them, and they bloom. So, we see some of that with the kidnapped children, or the children who had been kidnapped, who had the dark spores implanted in them, like, sort of, like, becoming more like how Ken was early on, like, they're super intelligent, but... They're just very condescending and, like, rude and evil. And so the Digidestined go to TK's mom's place, and TK's mom obtained information about the, like, however many kids that were kidnapped just recently. And so the group decides to split up between the old and the new Digidestined to keep an eye out on all these kids to try and see... Can we reach out to them? Do you think we could try and get them to, like, hear us out before things go horribly wrong? And so one of the kids, Noriko, who was the young girl wearing the face mask in past episodes, she's responsible. She's masking up, even if she is becoming evil. Kicks a cat, so we get a nice callback, or not so nice callback, to Ken's lack of love of animals early on in the series. And they try and reach out to all of these young children, but they're unsuccessful. So, back at Mount Fuji, the trio of villains is sort of, like, going and having a little bit of a comedy moment. They're, you know, arguing and whatnot. And there is a shooting star, like, comet that flies from the sky and lands in the snow. And is actually Black War Greymon, who has ended up in the real world. And so, the Digidestin have ended up coming to the conclusion that they can't remove the Dark Spores, so they have to wait for Oikawa to enact his plan. But they decide to keep monitoring the area. Kari goes to the digital world with Tai because Agumon reached out to them. And so they're sort of having this talk of like, because of Black War Greymon and because of Azulongmon giving his power to the Digidestins, he's become like weakened and sort of the defense of the digital world. But he has given enough power for Agumon and only Agumon to warp Digivolve to Mega, especially now that there has come the realization to Tai and Kari that there was a big portal to Mount Fuji just hanging out in the digital world that Black War Greymon went through. So Agamon stays behind, and the quad group of Kari, Tai, and their partners go on ahead. 
Blackboard Greymon is shouting at Arukenimon Mummymon, asking like how he was created like once again. And Arukenimon's like, well, I created you, duh. And Blackboard Greymon's like, well, who created you? And Oikawa reveals that they were created, they being Mummymon and Arukenimon, were created from his DNA. And that's why Blackwell Grandma's like, okay, so I couldn't find a purpose in of my life in the digital world because obviously it was the real world that me and these two come from. But he says something about how something in Oikawa belongs to neither world and must be eliminated, which gets him very angry. And but before he can really attack, Blackwell Graymont is stopped by War Graymont, who's intervening. And War Graymont and Ty try to reason with him, but they end up in a brawl, and the trio escape. As everyone's distracted. Gatomon goes into Fertimon, chases after them, and we get some cool car chases of Mummymon and Arukenimon hanging out the out the car to try and stop Nefertimon. Still, Black War Greymon and War Greymon are fighting. War Greymon is trying to be like, we could be friends, but Black War Greymon's like, no, friendship is weakness, and all I've got is suffering. So, you know, the old Black War Greymon that we knew and not entirely loved. But we get Yoli and TK helping Kari in the car chase, and fun, in, a, in a very funny scene, you have Stingmon and XVMon directing traffic away from some certain path near like Mount, Su- Mount, Mount Fuji or something, and there's also something about like a military base that has dropped incredibly quickly, but Digmon like creates a giant fissure to stop tanks from moving. That was very strange, but aside from that, the trio of villains, Moimimon, Oikawa, Arukenimon, basically use going into an area with a lot of people in it to stop, to be able to get away scot-free because they won't be attacked by the heroes. And then as Blackboard Greymon is about to put people in danger of being killed by, you know, all of his attacks, Pyledramon goes to fighter mode and gets Blackboard Greymon and they take him all above the clouds into this very cool, like, low orbit battle to make sure nothing and no one gets destroyed. And at the same time, you have Black War Greymon, War Greymon, and Imperial Ultramon using their strongest attacks and creating a giant explosion, and they sort of disappear for the time being. And then at the end of it, because at this point, Mummymon, Oikawa, and Arakinimon have gotten away, you see somewhere like off like on a beach or something, sort like on some like rocks near a beach or something, you have Agumon. Wormmon, Vmon, and Blackboard Greymon have all managed to like beat each other. It's comes to, like a stalemate ultimately. And Blackboard Greymon's like, I, I, you should have destroyed me because there's no purpose for me to live. And the three Digimon disagree and are trying to tell him about like how no matter what, life has meaning. And to basically try and be like, hey, you don't need to fight. We can be friends, and you don't have to have anything you know special. You just have to be you. And Blackboard Greymon leaves once again to to sort of suss out his feelings, but promises to become their friends when they meet again next. Whew, yeah, well, lots that happens in this episode. Yeah, this is one of my favorite episodes of uh, Dragon Ball Z that I think I've seen. <laughs> that was my thought too, is these, these episodes this week, for two very different reasons, feel very Dragon Ball Z in a way. Yeah, I, th- I think... Okay, be interested. I'd be interested to hear why you think the second one is like that. But the first one, yeah, definitely. Like, <laughs> I think, I think the part, I think the part where they where they go into the clouds and they're like, oh, let's take the fighting elsewhere, or whatever. Well, they kind of force them to do it, but it's very, uh, it's very reminiscent of of the DBZ, DBZ action. Um, 
But I thought the action in general in this episode was was pretty good. It was pretty great. Yeah. Oh, it was very. I I absolutely love that whole scene in the clouds. Like it's such it's such a cool shot to see like Mount Fuji, the clouds, like the sky, and then you have like the three Digimon just sort of like stark in the in the scene. That like it's so good. It's really good. And and I think more than just the visual aspect of it, I think having the bro having the like second part of this episode, as it were, broken down between like you have the War Greymon and Greymon. It's like the War Greymon and Black War Greymon fight. Um, and then you have the car chase, which I thought was really fun. Um, especially just because it was like interesting to see Kari doing his stuff solo. Uh, was was kind of neat. Um, and obviously she's joined up. She's joined later on by the rest of the O2 kids. And it's fun seeing like the scenes with like Davis and Ken up ahead diverting traffic and stuff like that. I thought it was a really <laughs> fun uh, scene overall. Which when, when it started early on, I just the whole thing just fought felt quite forced like the 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 notion of like it's as if someone some exec could come into the room and be like and was like wait hang on you you haven't had black war greatmon and great war greatmon fight yet what are you doing what am i paying you for you need to make this happen <laughs> um and then and then they just sort of threw something together that made it happen but that's that's the vibe i got early on but they managed to make it like you know inclusive of the actual show's characters and and make it and make it fun so i uh i, I really enjoyed that yeah, like I, I have that in my notes too. Like the lead up to it is a bit anti, like a bit anticlimactic. Like it's just suddenly like, oh look out, and then they start fighting. There's no like you know showdown or slow build up or whatever. But the actual fight is cool and good, so I, I'm I can't complain too much. I was telling Scrappy in my in my opinion, the only thing I didn't like about that fight was the fact that Imperial Dramon was like, hey guys, I'm here too. It's like you have War Greymon, you have Black War Greymon. I want to see them duke it out. Like I want to see. War Greymon throwing punches at Black War Greymon like he was to the Oboromon in our war game. I just want to see an absolute slobber knocker going. And then <laughs> Imperial Dramon Fighter Mode's like, Positron Laser, LOL, okay. And it's like, I get why, ultimately, because that's the main Digimon now. But it's like, I just I just want to see the War Greymons duke it out. That's all I want. I'm a simple person. I have simple needs. <laughs> that's, that's enough of that. But yeah, I kind of, I kind of, I guess thinking, thinking back on it, it's like, there are some like sparring moments between the two war greymons but like yeah i think i think mostly it is um you see a lot more of like the the chase uh the kids chasing down uh orikawa and and uh arikenimon in one one so um and then of course yeah the imperial Dramon gets involved it was funny just to see the size difference because that's something i've thought about for a bit is like what how how big you know we we it's been made abundantly clear how big imperial Dramon is in the like um dragon mode or whatever it's called um the fighter mode i wasn't too sure if there was a size difference um at all but no he's just he's still huge <laughs> and it's really funny just yeah. seeing war greymon next to the, the war greymon's next to uh next to uh imperial Jamon and kind of like oh okay <laughs> they kind of got screwed in the size department <laughs> for some reason um so that was that was fun yeah they're like like maybe like 10 feet tall or something like they're like war greymon in this series is like very like tiny like comparatively to like a lot of like the the enemies they do fight yeah and imperial Dramon just app yeah it's 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 more more humanoid size than not meanwhile uh imperial Dramon is just the biggest boy imaginable <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i think it's uh I, I don't know i mean i'm assuming there's bigger digimon out there but like i think in terms of like main characters and so on i'm not sure if there's that many that are bigger than <laughs> that can be bigger than imperial Dramon. like i'm thinking about it i'm like i don't know i i, I don't know who'd be bigger like i guess um 
I'm not sure how big Omnimon's meant to be, but I don't think it's that big. So yeah, I I, I don't know. Omnimon is, the... is is much smaller than than uh, what's his name, Imperial Jamon. Right, but that's what I thought. So so yeah, it's 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 funny seeing that happen. But that happens a lot, you know. You have the big monster forms, and then they sort of turn into dudes at the end. Like you see that in Tamers as well, with like Gilmon's line and stuff like that. So there's a fair bit of that. Um, I've got to ask what. What did you all think about um, the Awikawa reveal? Because I thought that was really interesting, but not not something I expected to see in this show. This, this I, feels like a later Digimon thing. You know how you know how like for weeks now I've been building up the Awikawa as like maybe my favorite villain in this series. This this stuff is why it's because he is the only villain so far who is allowed to have this level of complexity before you know any kind of redemption or whatever happens. Right. Yeah. I mean most of the um the uh his stuff comes more in um next episode, right? Yeah, most most of his backstory comes in the next episode, but even in this one, like you get some some really cool hints at the there's more to him than just a generic villain. Like he's a lot more I guess let's say vulnerable than most villains are. Like most villains in this series are pretty much invincible up until they're defeated. Yeah. This dude, like, he's just spent the past three episodes running away from villains stronger than him in a van. And <laughs> in this one, you know, he, again, he realizes, oh, I can't take on all these people at once. I have to just buy my time until my plan's ready. Um, and we learned, yeah, we learned some really interesting stuff about him as well. Like, we learned that uh, he created Arakenimon and Mamimon from his own DNA. And by proxy, that also makes him Black War Greymon's, like, grandfather, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, which makes Black Program one an allegory to Cory or Co- Cody, I guess, which is kind of weird. Right, they, they they really don't explain any of that at all, and I'm not I'm, I'm I'm sort of torn as to whether that's a good idea or not. It's a weird thing to just throw out there, um, the notion that that's even possible. But I guess it's kind of supported in the sense that like you know humans can go to the digital world, ergo the notion of like you can turn human beings into into data i guess makes sense but it kind of it's kind of a very vague notion of like oh he created digimon from himself um okay then i don't think unless it's unless it's in a later episode that we i haven't seen yet it's it's not really elaborated on here um it kind of goes straight from like the the oikawa reveal about the you know being the Progenitor essentially of of Mummymon and Arakenimon. Kind of goes from that immediately into Black War Greymon just being like, okay, well, I'm guessing I'm gonna have to kill you now, <laughs> and then and then the fight begins in earnest. So, I thought that was uh, I thought that was interesting. I did also like Arakawa uh, just being completely like, well, as soon as he realizes that Black War Greymon's just gonna kill him, now he's told him what the deal is. He's like, uh, shit, <laughs> quick help, I'm in trouble. Like got a blast. Even then, though, I still love how like he's got he's got balls of steel. When when Black Warrior charges at him with his claws outstretched, he doesn't even flinch. Like he doesn't move at all. But it's like he knows he's in trouble by the like, by the expression on his face and so on. Even though he like he acts like he's popular, um, offended or whatever by the by the foreign object notion. But like he, he yeah he's not he's not cowardly. He's he's really he, he's really smart. That's the sense I get from him. Is that he's, he's a very intelligent character compared to. Mm-hmm. Any of the other villains, I'd say, like all the other villains we've seen so far, haven't they have like power and such, and like you know they have they're clearly cleverer than say some of the minions working for them. I'm thinking of like the really you know Myotismon and his underlings here as an example, um, or like 
but like if you think about think about like the dark masters for example they, they they ruled over things but it was more through just like fear and and strength rather than actually being intelligent like yeah Awakawa Awakawa is is actually a smart <laughs> dude um even if it's not exactly clear why he's doing what he's doing yeah there 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 is a really good hint in the sub that i think they they missed in the dub like i i don't blame them because it's it's very subtle but um the scene where where Black Bergman calls him a foreign object, and that that's a, a translation, or I guess a localization of uh, what he says in the sub, which is "you don't belong in the real world or the digital world." And then he says, he gets offended and says, well, "Like how could you say that to me?" And then Black Bergman says, "I wasn't talking to you." Oh, that's good. Oh, that's a uh, right. That's a difference. That's an important difference. I mean, it yeah. Makes, so like, it makes sense. Like, you don't, you don't, you 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 hear. Uh, sorry, I hear you say that, and it's like knowing that Wargrimmon's characterization survives enough to that. Where I'm like, oh yeah, of course he'd think that. Yeah, of course he thought that. I already knew he he thinks that way about himself. But but yeah, I think that would have been a nice thing to to include because <laughs> yeah, that adds a lot of yeah. I, th- I think the knowledge of like who's coming and like what's coming makes that really good because like even in the dub we see that a little bit next episode. But oh, that's a that's a very good like like bit of him just yeah. like not you like that is such a good tease it's it's a great piece of foreshadowing i think that you just meant he was talking about himself like black war Greymon just talking about himself oh no no he was he was he was directly like he was talking at oikawa but he wasn't talking to oikawa right okay okay right cool well i guess i'll look forward to that then because well I mean, we see a bit of that at the end of next episode as well so i kind of knew yeah there's we're gonna hear about the you know the 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 puppet master or whatever, which is a bit, yeah. a bit of an aspect I'm I'm not so thrilled about to be honest. But we'll get we'll get to that I think. Yeah, me me neither. But it's it is what it is, you know. Yeah. Um. How about the absolute ass pull of Agumon just being like, "Oh, I got some more power, but only me." <laughs> it's like yeah, that's... I don't think the franchise like mascot <laughs> characters should just wear like a big neon sign saying "I am important." But this series has been really bad for doing that. This yeah, this yeah. episode um like like the, it came right after the episode where all of them gave up their power to save Imperial Dramon. So it just feels extra like oh okay uh, all right I guess. I I kind of wish Matt was there just because I feel like Matt would hear that and then immediately punch Ty. He'd be like, what? And then just start swinging on Tide because Gabumon doesn't get any power. No, he's like, literal god went to Agumon and said, here, have this deus ex machina power. And then, but only you. No one else can have it. For reasons. It's like when you go to the ice cream shop and the, the worker there likes you. It's like, I'll give you a little extra for free. Gabumon is sure. doing like the, the, the emoji combo of like the pleading face and the pointing fingers. Like, power for me. And Azulongmon just disappears again. <laughs> <laughs> Death. Um, I feel yeah, bad for Gabumon. Uh, that's that's such yeah. a bummer. Yeah, I mean, well, I don't feel that bad for him because Gabumon does get, you know, he, he still gets more than plenty of the other Digidestin uh, partner Digimon do. But like, you know, yeah, yeah, I, you know, in a world where like you know Gabumon and Powermon exist, I'm not going to feel that sorry for Gabumon. Um, but yeah, no, I thought that was really funny, and it, it was just like a complete. This whole episode just has the vibe of. Oh, we we effed up in like so many areas. Like we sent Black War Greymon to the negative zone or whatever. You know we shouldn't have done that. Um, we should have done the War Greymon fight earlier. Um, you know we shouldn't have t- taken the ability to Digivolve from Agumon. What the hell are we thinking? It just it just feels like the, a ton of mistakes 
these episodes in both versions were written by new writers, so I think it's these new writers being like, eh, maybe we should start course correcting. Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, it, it, again, it does have the vibe of like they they were given like a not a quota per se, but like you you, know, you have to do x x x and y and so on. We don't care about the rest, but just just get it done. And and they went in there and did the best they could. Um, yeah, this almost feels like the 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 Digimon Adventure O two um, getting its Snyder cut per se. <laughs> <laughs> they come Don't in say and that. They work with, Never say they work those words with, again. They work with what they have and they put together something that is, you know, more watchable per se. I've not seen that. I've not seen that film. I will not see that film. Performance review. Going, what? Oh, sorry. I'm watching that film tomorrow. <laughs> I can't wait. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Let us know how it is because. Okay. I'll, I'll cover that more at the end of the podcast, but. You don't have to. We'll leave it. We'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. There's one more dub difference uh, I wanted to tell uh, tell about, and it's it's kind of a mixed bag. Like there's there's one line that I really I really like that the dub makes, and there's one line that I really don't like that they change. Right. So uh, right at the end of the episode, when everyone's kind of given um, old BWG the a little pep talk about life and whatever, um, and the original Wormon has a really good line that like, yes, it's a bit cheesy, but like for a show that was intended at a young audience, I think it's a really good message. He says, like, uh, I think your your problem is that you think that things like pain and suffering are all there is to life, when really those they're just a part of what there is to life. Even if it's hard, you have to work through those, because those are what make the good moments feel so much better. Whereas in the dub, he just says, like, oh, you're, you're self-pitying yourself. You know, when I was with Ken, I helped to break him out of his self-pity, and I'll do the same thing for you. He, Wormon, like, dragged Black or Greymon super hard. Yeah, he just did not care. He's a lot less empathetic in the in the dub, and I feel like that's it doesn't fit the tone of the scene, especially since right after that you get this really good line from Agumon in the dub about how uh, he and Tai have have uh, you know lived a lot together and have gotten into a lot of trouble and gotten out of it, but it's those moments that kind of like you know defined his life and gave it a purpose. Whereas in the sub, he just kind of says, he just kind of like acts like a dumbass and says, I don't really know why, you know, anyone's alive, but we just kind of kind of have to make the best of it. Okay, uh, speaking of that segment, can I talk about the Agumon line in particular? Because in my opinion, this is on par or maybe better with the Mewtwo line from the first Pokemon movie in terms of just <laughs> being like... Hear me out. In terms of being, like, way more philosophical and deep and, like, meaningful than it has any right to be for a a piece of media for a monster uh, kids toy franchise. Go for it. What's the line? Remind, remind us the line. Agumon says, even if your life is all fighting and struggle, it can still have meaning. I've had to fight all my life, but I believed in what I was fighting for. I think it's that belief, not the fighting, that's given me meaning. And that's just, like surprisingly really good yeah I, I liked a lot of the writing here um i thought vmon um vmon has some good lines in here about having um uh all i want to do you know it was some of my favorite times are the times when i'm just sleeping or eating or whatever i'm just like big fucking same <laughs> vmon big 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 same yeah he says uh your life doesn't have to be filled with the with incredible amazing events to be special and he talks about like yes. hey my best times are spending time with my friends sleeping and eating and it's, it's like yeah it's like big mood but also, like that's way more heartfelt than it has any right to be. Yeah, the the sub the sub adds an extra line on top of there. He says, 
Um, I put my all into everything, even things like eating and sleeping, because uh, that makes me feel like every moment is a living to the fullest. Aww. That's not getting emotional. It's like, it is It is cheesy, but yeah, like, I, I really like the, the denouement of this episode and how, like, I feel like if you're a kid in Japan, you know, who just lived through the worst economic crisis since World War II, uh, and, you know, have a lot of people telling you that things are meaningless and purposeless and whatever, hearing this stuff would probably be a really good pick-me-up, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. What I really enjoy about it is that, and it's something I enjoy about, like, a lot of media, like, is that it's very human and sincere and earnest, and I've talked about how much I enjoy, like, when Digimon is, like, just, like, a very, like, honest, heartfelt, like, earnest and sincere show like that, and... Like, this is, like, also, like, right up there with, like, a lot of the other moments I talked about in the past, like, in Adventure and whatnot, in this series and whatnot, about, like, how this show just, like, sort of, like, wears its heart on its sleeve at times, and sometimes it's kind of, like, messy for it, but sometimes you have these, like, really, really good moments like this, where, like, the lesson and the meaning of, like, or I guess, like, maybe not the lesson or, like, the Aesop, but, like, the, the words that are said and, like, the sort of meaning behind them is just, like, just very blatant and honest and true. Yeah, it's very, it's very, um, yeah, whole heart and sleeve is, is the best way of putting it. That's exactly what I was thinking. Um, and I think it also says a lot about, I've, I've sort of mentioned before, I think on this show, like, that I find the Digimon's personality, uh, personalities and, you know, character developments and whatever to be a little more lacking as compared to the humans, which is fair, I think, because, you know, Ultimately, that's who you want to focus on. The audience is going to relate more with those characters, and you know, the humanity is what you know that they can't. They're not. They're not out there literally fist fighting. That's what the Digimon do. So they have to have the character drama instead. But this scene, I feel like this this shows that actually these characters are. They're probably at least these three at least are probably as well realized as they need to be. Like because these three scenes, like you have the three characters speaking. And Black Wargamer just like T posing on the floor, I guess. But he is like, <laughs> you know, all three of them are like perfectly defined. Like you have Agumon, who's the, you know, he's the sort of the noble fighter or whatever. You have Wormmon, who kind of hates himself, but not really. <laughs> you know, he's doing the, the droopy dog routine. And then you have Vimon, who is just a, a slacker, basically. But like, you know, he's, he's kind of like the peppy slacker. Um, very sort of imma- a bit more immature and. Or were you for? I suppose is the right phrase. So they're all very well defined in this scene, and I feel like they're also all three of them in their own way, like perfect foils to Black or Greymon's bullshit. <laughs> so, um, you know, yes, having Imperial Demon sort of crash the party at the end, it, you know, I can see why that might be a shame. I think it pays off here though, where you have basically like the the attack from three, di- the emotional attack from three directions from from all. Oh. Oh, oh, definitely. I, I really enjoyed the end. It's just more of, like, the concept of, like, I want to see the two Wargrave no, monsters straight yeah, up just, like, it. throwing punches. But this this pays off really well from all angles. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that. And, yeah, I just thought this was a surprisingly, surprisingly solid episode. I do find the... Um... I kind of find the, and maybe it's just that it's been a while since like Digimon Emperor arc, and I'm just remember not not remembering exactly like Ken's like moment to moment characterization, or maybe it was just the fact that like he's you know he was like literally wearing a daft costume and had a whip and was ordering monsters around and stuff, so it's a bit of a different context. But the kids, you know, the kid with the dark spot, um, that 
was or oh, yeah, Dark Spot, yeah. They that just ridiculously over the top in terms of like how nasty they are and just constantly referring to everyone as insects. Which is you see that a little bit more next episode too. Uh, hilarious and not really that easy to take seriously to be to be honest. Yeah, it's Ken had like like a very like conniving charisma at, when he was Ken as the Digimon Emperor, where he's like playing it up and like joking around, sort of in interviews. Like at least in the dub, we've talked about it. What's in the sub, but in the dub, he's like just sort of like cracking jokes and like smizing and like doing like finger guns and stuff. But like on the inside, he's like, "God, I hate all these people. I can't wait for them to just go away forever." But like these kids are just like not at that point yet. They're just like. Oh, everyone sucks, and I'm and I hate them. And it's just like, okay, like baby Joker, go off. <laughs> yeah, I love how I can't remember if this episode or the next one, but uh, they they show. I guess they don't show it in the dub. They show it in the sub. One of the kids infected by the dark spores kicking a cat just to show. Yeah, no, Ken's not evil for kicking the puppy. It was a spore that made him do it. Yeah, no, that was this episode because I remember uh, the cat comes up to the girl's like leg and, and Cody and Tinker are like, "Oh, see, she, maybe she likes animals." And then they just cut away and they're like, "Oh, I guess not." She punted that cat like a solid like five feet or something. Like <laughs> that went flying. That was ridiculous. Like Ken kicking that puppy before he just, he just kind of like ran off whimpering. No, that cat that needs. Call a vet because that cat is in is in bad shape for sure, <laughs> um, and also she should probably be on like the 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 soccer team or whatever at the school if she's not already. Because <laughs> Jesus, well, it does increase your athleticism, so yeah, she's going to be a star soccer does, yeah. player pretty soon. I think yeah, cause just like Ken was, I suppose. So I find it very funny that in the last episode and like in this, it's like. Oh, the dark spore will increase your skill on sports and your intellect, but only those two things. You get nothing else. <laughs> Sell your yes. soul and become very good at soccer and doing some uh, some school workbooks, but that's it. <laughs> well, you know, I guess uh, that's... I... Hey, it's Japan, you know, apparently there's a lot of pressure when it comes to school. Oh, and... yeah. yeah. I, I, think, just think, I think it's funny. Yeah. I think it's an interesting allure, like the, the notion that you... Like, you can have something that makes you better than everyone who's ever made fun of you, but that also comes with, you know, amplifying your worst traits as well. Like, it kind of, it amplifies everything about yourself. Like, it amplifies your, your intelligence, your athleticism, but also, like, the, you know, the, the stuff that you would you would try to hide otherwise is now brought up to the forefront as well. Well, yeah, and, it's, the old Tolkien, it's the old Tolkien power corrupts, you know. People yeah, or whatever. It's, it's, like, it's, it's, it's that thing again. But, but like you said, applying that to like, you know, the people who are kind of like not to get oppressed, but like kept, you know, kept down by the, the society and school system that, that's very specific to, you know, Japan makes it hit a bit harder, I think, as well. It's just, it's funny, it's funny to see like through the lens of like, okay, if a kid was looking for power. What would they like actually want? And it's like, oh, they'd want to like be decent at school and you know good at sports and stuff, and for people to like them, I guess. There's a or, really good know. moment next episode that when we get there, I want to talk about it. Uh, when Ken interacts with a character who has been infected by Dark Spore, but yeah, it completely goes through that whole thing of like, yeah, it is actually super understandable why like any of these kids would like jump at the chance to be better at stuff, especially in a society that is more focused on that. Like, yeah, maybe it's just me. I don't think this type of idea would work in most other settings. 
like, it would apply, but it wouldn't work to the degree that it works here. They kind of cheat a bit in this as well, because they have this 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 one girl they're focusing on. I forget her name. Uh, Noriko. They... Noriko, Noriko Kawada. Okay. They kind of have Noriko's parents, like, being the absolute shittiest parents in existence. <laughs> like, just like, oh, a kid's back from being kidnapped, and she's super smart. Oh, the press will be back. Maybe we should, maybe we should tell the press about how smart our girl is, and stuff like that. It's just like, Wait, what? Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's the like... exact same thing that happened with Ken's parents, and like you see that again, like happening in real yeah. time. And it's like, True, yeah. yeah, like that's super awful that you would just use your kid as a as a circus showpiece to get attention yeah. to try and get on TV on the news. Like, God, like parents are awful. <laughs> Ken's whole thing had like a way more way more of like a a build up and so on, and well, obviously with him being a main character and all, but. Like it's funny just seeing trying to see that them tried to truncate that kind of, same kind of arc into like this one character who appears in like two episodes or whatever it is, and it's funny just seeing them cramming that together and the result being like the parents just going like, "We will sell out our children for fame and attention." It's really depressing in a way. Yeah, yeah. Rather than it just being a sort of like the parents, you know, like Ken's parents, you know, re- you know, recognizing abilities and stuff and kind of. You know, not really thinking too hard about what that what that might actually mean, and so on. So, um, yeah, it's 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 funny seeing that happen, but it's it's very throwaway, and obviously she's more of a plot device. But I do think they do some interesting stuff with with her, and you see a, a bit more of that next episode. Uh, I do have a question: um, was Tiki was Tiki's mum always a TV reporter? Because I don't remember this at all. She, yep, she's was, not a TV reporter, she's just a journalist. I she's a, an investigative uh, journalist. So that was confirmed back in season one. I can't remember if it was in the oh. dub, but it was definitely in the sub. Because she's kind of said it was, that. I, I was I, like, it was in, it was in the, um, uh, the, the dub, I'm pretty sure. Or maybe it's just because I have like, all this past knowledge. But I... No, it's um early on in the, uh, the, the dub of O2... They make a joke about her like writing a journal, like a journalism report about the history of toilet paper, and it's like that's the only like look we get at it. So it's like it's kind of like haha a joke, but like she that's what the, that's, that's always been the case. Yeah, I I remember that now. Look, if there's one thing I know, it's incredibly useless, pointless lines from Digimon. They're just <laughs> completely one-off jokes. That's all I know. Well, you've come to the right place. Oh, oh I guess you made you made <laughs> yep. the right place, I suppose. Uh, can I can I say something very funny though? Uh, that was exclusive to the Hulu uh, uh, versions. Go for it. The, the so the subtitle for Black or Greymon's Terror Destroyer attack was Terra Destroyer with a hyphen, but it was Terra as in pterodactyl. And oh my me, god, that was very hilarious. Every time <laughs> you see Terra Destroyer, I'm just like thinking, like he's throwing a big old dinosaur energy at someone. It's just, <laughs> I'm just like, oh, whoever did the dubbing, for, like or like who did the closed captioning, like give that person a raise solely for the fact that that was the silliest <laughs> thing. I mean, does 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 it do the same thing for Terra Force when Walker yeah, used to say it did the same thing for Terra Force? It was great. Interesting, because there's already there's already a bit of a double entendre going on with like you know when one war greymon uses it it's terror force and it's terror as in planet earth yeah great and then when black war greymon uses it it's terror destroyer and something's like wait is it terror like earth or is it terror like terrible and or terrorist or whatever i don't know and now there's I, a I third know. one terror like the dinosaur <laughs> terror because they're dinosaurs <laughs> which yeah i guess they are dinosaurs. there you go they? perfect 
Yeah, that's pretty. I cool. I mean, dragons they're are sort of tangentially them. related to dinosaurs, so I mean, you could, you could, you they're could. Not, they're not work. dragons. They're not dragons. Like Agumon and Greymon, well, Greymon, definitely dragons. And I'm fact checking this right on, now. They got the Dreamon destroyers. Uh, according <laughs> to the wiki, uh, War Greymon in Japan's type is listed as Dragon Man, and in Fuck English that. is Dragon or Dragonkin. Boo. No, not happy with that. He has the Draymond Destroyers. He literally has welded to his hands the tools to destroy dragons. Like, okay, yeah, I guess Pokemon rules say that dragons kill dragons, but like, <laughs> no, no, I don't like that. He's a dinosaur. As, He's a dinosaur. Right, if, I, if I pick up a gun, I'm equipped with a Humon Destroyers. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah that's fair well, enough. I mean, yeah, it's, having, a, having a gun is a very inhumane thing, so sure, why not? <laughs> Sorry, not to get political, <laughs> but you know, there, there's there's a line in so in, in in the game Hades, there's one of the weapons you can get is the um uh, the adamant rail, which is just like a gun. It's just a, a ancient Greek gun, and like the archive file for that weapon says that it was created by I think it was Hephaestus. I mean, no, not Hephaestus. Uh, what's the the blacksmith name again? Is it Hestia? Whoever the, who, the wait, blacksmith god is. That's that's Hephaestus. Hephaestus, okay, yeah. So it was created by Hephaestus and then cast into Hades to keep it out of the hands of mortals because uh, they knew that mortals would cause untold destruction and death if they got their hands on it. And that's like, ugh. ugh. That's a very pointed <laughs> line. <laughs> yeah. Was, yeah. I mean. No, no arguments for me, but you know. <laughs> so yeah, that's why. In conclusion, that's why Gundramon is the most powerful Digimon of all time. <laughs> sure. You got a point. Or or Deputymon or whatever, whichever one was just a fucking handgun. <laughs> so Deputymon is a gun, but Gundramon is fifteen guns. You can't beat that. You just can't. Okay. Well, what if I had fifteen? What if I had sixteen Deputymon? <laughs> they would be able to fight on on equal power with them, but it depends on who gets the first shot. Okay, that's fair enough. I just remembered who um, Gundramon was. <laughs> it was like the <laughs> mental image come back to me. I was like, oh god, they actually did that. You you suppressed it. You you shoved it to the deepest part of your mind. A million guns. It's not like... Oh, okay, this is really getting unrelated, so I'll, we'll get back on topic after this, but like, there's an old, like, prototype of, um, like, an old EA game. There's like a cancelled game or pitch or something that got out there into the wild. And it was like, it was literally called just like Gunman or something like that. And it was just a, a fucking action game about like a sentient gun. And <laughs> he shot people with guns in his hands. I, I'm, I'm going to have to look this up. I think, I think it might be called Gunhead actually or something like that. But it was just like <laughs> the most ridiculous thing. And I feel like uh, materialization of that. <laughs> so Either way, that's great. That's, I, I that's was, amazing, I, yeah. I was, I was saying this. But yeah, no, um. Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, Wargreymon is a dinosaur. Do not at me. End of story. End of story. End of story! Can I just say, first of all, the CGI is still pretty bad, but seeing Wargreymon's, like, whole warp evolution, like, gave me, like, I was like, yeah, like, I was super hyped, and then it's like, you see, uh, Kari, like, okay, it's time to Digivolve, Gatomon, it's to Neferatimon, like, what a big wet fart. Yeah, like, from- why are- why are you still using it? Like they're they're not even as strong as champions. Yeah, it's I'm just like and I like Nefertimon too. I like Nefertimon a lot, but it's the biggest 
went far to like a going from like this hype thing of like you see War Greymon, you know he's gonna fight. You're getting super hype, and it's like okay, Nefertimon, and I was like, oh, Kari, love yourself. It's funny seeing that and just being and just thinking like, Agumon could have prevented this, but he was just like, <laughs> he's like, hey, do you want any other? Do you want any other Digimon to have power to He's like, no, it's fine. That's fine. Just, just give me, just give me my powers, and we'll be on our way. He's like, we better just like, be safe and give me all the power. Don't worry. Gatomon doesn't need it. Gabumon's fine. He wanted a day off, but just, just give me the power. Yeah, uh, I think, I think deep down, Agumon knows that he ain't shit compared to the angels, and he's just, he's just hanging on. He's hanging on to relevance as long as he can, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. Um, you kind of mentioned it during the summary Sloan uh, that it was kind of introduced very quickly and offhand or whatever. But what was going on with the military base part? I have no idea. Except uh, oh. Digmon was about to start an international incident. There's there's a military base near Mount Fuji, and I think they just realized, oh, if we're having the action take place near there, we have we can't not mention this because they would definitely get involved. So they just did a quick offhand. Yeah, I guess they. But they, you they, They've invoked the military too much in the show at this point. So, like, I'm just ignore my, that. my only yeah. reaction is just if, like was you anything don't else. Have if, to. if they never done it before, I mean, you, yeah, but I think they kind of had to. But with, with the World Tour arc and the amount of times they brought up like the fucking Chinese military and stuff, you kind of they kind of just screwed themselves in that. Don't in that worry, respect. kids. If, if, Me and Mega Kabuterimon will hold off the Chinese army. Best line. Yeah. So it's actually it's a, it's called Camp Fuji, and it's actually a um. United States Marine Corps group, so like it's not even a, a Japanese military base; like it's an American one. Fair enough. That probably okay. that, that makes it more understandable why they were willing to just be have Digimon just be like, "Hey guys, guess what? Fuck you! You're trapped." <laughs> and, yeah, really weird. It's like it's for your own good, and it's like, yeah, I'm not sure they'll see it that way, but go off, I guess. Digimon's like <laughs> you know, time to start sure. a geological disaster. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> okay. He he kind of can't be blamed for that when like that's his whole thing. Like he has drills for hands. I don't know. It's like when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. I got uh, yeah, sure, yeah. And when your hands are drills, I can't disagree. You you were kind of just doomed to frack the planet or whatever. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's just oh my god, happen. we need to we need to make a game about drilling everywhere and make a tagline frack the planet. Oh, no, <laughs> no, that's <all laughs> starring RuPaul and Joe Biden. <laughs> you, you, wait, what? Okay, we're gonna talk about that later. I'm, I'm, Ru, I need to RuPaul, RuPaul had a fracking rig or something. <laughs> you know what? Doesn't surprise me. A couple of years ago, when the, when I was first like a thing, um, I I don't know why I, how it came up, but I, I talked to my I was talking to my brother and I was like, "Did you know that Ru, RuPaul does fracking?" And he looked at me. He said with a shred of irony, "Is that like a sex thing?" Or, <laughs> I mean, I would have yeah. rather it been a sex thing than actual <laughs> fracking. Yeah, yeah, no, that's anyway, no, no RuPaul talk, <laughs> please. No, Ru- no. hey, yeah, gladly. Ideally. Yeah, sorry, but the less the less we talk about RuPaul, the better. Honestly. Uh, I, speaking on from good things from RuPaul, uh, Mummymon is really funny in this episode, and I appreciate him just being a big stupid dork again, being like, "Ooh, I'm cooking and I'm stupid," or he's like, "Ooh, look at the sale price on those jackets," and I'm just like, "I love you, Mummymon. You're it's so, so great." It's so funny that like they're her, him and Arakenimon are both made from Oikawa's DNA. So this is how Oikawa is deep down. Like this is just part <laughs> of his personality. 
Oh, we got, oh no, Mummymon's bit there where he, where he where he's like, oh look at the sale prices or whatever. That bit is daft and made me and made me laugh mainly because I think um, Owakawa's like reaction to his lines, like the delivery on the delivery and all his like shut the, shut the hell up lines that he, he gives Mummymon and Arikenimon <laughs> are really good. They were just dripping with like hatred, basically. Um, yeah, they're yeah. dripping with contempt. Yeah, dete- yeah, contempt. Yeah, so. The, but the best part is that Moimon then turns around and gets the fucking epic triple kill <laughs> on on the other Digimon, just like blasts. Oh baby, a triple! <laughs> oh baby, it's, it's, it's the, the turns to Oikawa. His dad got the camera. <laughs> the way Oikawa treats Arukenimon is just great. He's just like, "Hey, Arukenimon, put the snow chains on the tires," and she's like, "Why me?" And he's like. Because I don't like you when you're bothering me. And he's just so rude about it. And she's like, fine, whatever. I'm going to go put the snow chain tires on, I guess. Uh. And I was like, this is this is the stupidest group of, like, idiot villains ever. But they're also incredibly threatening. Maybe it's just the, the Jameson Price voice. But, like, it legit reminds me of, like, Papanir and, and Kaine and, uh, and Vice. All of them together. And, oh, that's, that's exactly who it is. It's like... Yeah, no, just like it's, the... it's 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 Papa Nier, Kaine, and Emil because uh, no, he wouldn't Mummy treat Emil is... with contempt. He would treat Vice with contempt. But Vice is too smart to be Mummy Mon. But no, he's he's smart, but he's still a dumbass, though. Oh, you're saying okay, that's you're true. Saying, that is true. You're saying Vice is in Nier. I thought you were talking about King of Fighters. I was very confused. <laughs> oh no, sorry. It's it's the the German Vice, like as in yeah, white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, yeah, yeah. Brother, brother Vice. Yeah. Oh um, man, I want to oh, see Grimoire, a, a Vice uh, Papa Nier like team up crossover now. <laughs> one of one of Yuri Yagami's <laughs> lesbian wine moms just somehow gets teleported to uh, <laughs> the far be... apocalyptic future. The Black Scroll has hit King of Fighters. <laughs> That'll be Smash Bros. at some point, I'm sure. Um, no, I'm, I've just posted the 50 cent, the, an infamous 50 Cent tweet into the chat, which is like, this is the mood that I get from that interaction between Arikenimon and Arikawa. <laughs> it's like, the, I can't believe my grandmother's making me take out the garbage. I'm rich. Fuck this. I'm going home. I don't need this shit. <laughs> and I just imagine Arikawa. Can't believe Arikawa's making me change the tyres or whatever the hell it was. <laughs> Just that's the vibe I get. He's doing too shit about it. It's not like she tries to attack him and then he just like has some weird power over her. There's like zero sense of her thinking that she can just, you know, shrug this guy off or whatever. I get the feeling that down the road they they are probably gonna, you know, betray him or whatever. But but um, but no, not at this point. At this point, she is literally more or less his his servant. So um, yeah pretty funny to see her cut down to size after after gurning for so many episodes i think my my favorite joke in the um my favorite joke in the um the episode is when they get to the the chalet where they're going to be camping out for the night i reckon you know walks up to the door and starts pulling on it until it breaks and then oikawa just casually walks by because that's a push door dear <laughs> that's that was really good and then she pauses for a beat and is like, well, now it is. Like, just, like, super, like, snapping at him. It's like, they clearly all hate each other. And it's the best part. <laughs> it's the, it's the, um, um, I think you should leave or whatever it's called. It's the, it's the yeah, it, it goes both yeah. ways. It goes both ways, Oikawa. It's just a I, I was here it. yesterday. It goes both ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just staring into Oikawa's soul. Oh, man. No, um, there were too many references. Before we before we move on um, to the next episode, there's a couple of, of milestones we have um, in this episode. 
So this is the total 100th episode of the series that we've covered. Which is wild to think about. So if we don't if we don't count like any of our OVAs, oh okay, but this is this is the one hundredth episode of the adventure chronology that we have we have coved. That's and a pretty good um, hundred episode. Episode forty of the podcast. Yeah, this is also episode forty of the podcast. So it's two two milestones there. Um, this is also the first time we've seen regular war game on since our war game. So like, oh yeah, the, the you know it's been it's been a hot minute. Uh, this and is also, this is also the first time he uses his shield, I believe. Yeah, I was gonna say that too. This is the first time we see him use his <laughs> shield as well. He like was watching like the old like footage from like grand finals of Blackboard Greymon against Pyodramon, like using the brave shield. Like he's like, wait, I can use that. I can pull that off my back and use that. He's writing notes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's taking notes for wings. grand fi- for his for his like, exhibition match. Yeah. Yeah, he just fought. He just fought the war wings, but no, I guess not. Um, I, I think um, um, no, it, it kind of got glossed over a little bit earlier. But uh, Momomon's sleep talk, by the way, extremely cursed. I just, I just <laughs> wanted to say that. I was just looking at my notes when his sleep talk about a big teddy bear, or whatever the hell he was talking about. No, and also I feel like in these episodes he's he's starting to sound more and more like James from Team Rocket. Like he, it, that voice is just they're interchangeable at this point. Like, obviously, it's, like, massively queer-coded, and, you know, that's not great, but it's it's so, like, so similar. Just with a bit more gravel, I think, on what we on. I don't know if any... any yeah, of you, no, I, I can hear it. I don't know if either of you... Yeah, definitely. Caught, yeah, I got that, yeah. But I think that's all I've got to say for this episode. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've done a pretty good job of covering everything that makes this episode special. Um... Do you want to move on to the next one, or do we need to take a break I'd... first? Uh, let's take it. Let's take a break first. We'll take um, a we'll take a quick break. Then we will cover episode forty-seven and finish out our fortieth episode with the one hundred and one episode. One hundred first. Hundred and one. It's Friday. Don't cut that. Don't cut that. I'm not cutting it. I would never cut my mistakes. <laughs> hundred and one Digimonations. Ship it. That's the episode title. <laughs> there we go. We'll be Perfect. we'll be right back. We took a quick break, but we're going to cover episode 47 now, and I can think of no better person to cover this episode than Scrafty. Yes, as the number one Oikawa fan here, I'm going to go into great detail covering his uh, most special episode yet. So this one is called Black War Greymon's Destiny, or The Seal of Black War Greymon in, in Japanese. It was written by Genki Yoshimura in Japanese and Rebecca Forstat in English, who's done a few episodes of the series before, and mostly working with Nimoy and Bucolds. Rest their souls. They're not dead, but I'm still praying for them anyway. And this episode kind of starts off with 
a group of the, the the rookies all in the digital world trying to seal off the gate to heightened you terrace to make sure that no other monsters are able to escape through there and rampage in the the real world and over this we get this like kind of news report talking about how all the monster settings that people have been seeing around the world are are have been cleared as a hoax by the government so that we finally after 47 episodes get an excuse for why most of the world seems to not believe in monsters despite the repeated attacks like there's you know a dedicated cover-up going on to try to keep people in the dark about it so that's a little throwaway line but i did appreciate that the rest of the you know the, the humans are, are trying to keep an eye out for the kids who are you now the carriers of the dark spores to make sure that whatever evil plan oikawa has uh, won't come to fruition at cody's house his grandpa finds out about armadillomon thanks to careless placement of prune juice and it makes him realize that all these monsters are real and they come from the digital world and he knows about that because his son cody's dad used to be obsessed with with the digital world and the idea of it and claimed that you know he, he could talk to monsters in his video game or talk to creatures from his computer so he like we finally get some some backstory that ties cody into the plot properly and Cody's grandpa even lies to his, Cody's mom about the danger because he knows that this is something that Cody is going to have to do. So, they, yeah, like, like I said before, they're, they're kind of going off looking for all of the dark spore kids. And Cody decides that he, you know, he has better resolve to, to do that now that he knows his, his dad's involvement in the digital world. And as he's out and about looking for Noriko, which is the kid we talked about last episode, the cat kicker, he just happens across Oikawa, who's come to collect the dark spore from her. They have a bit of a, a square off. But once Oikawa notices the name Hida on Cody's bag, he says the name Hiroki in surprise, and Cody recognizes the name that's his dad's name. So they realize they have a connection. And before Arakinimon and Mummymon can attack Cody, Oikawa calls them off, which is the first time he's kind of shown any kind of mercy or empathy so far in the series. Then he walks off to kind of have his his reminiscence. He kind of has a flashback to his childhood, how he. He grew up with Cody's dad. They were best friends, like, the end of their entire, like, all the way from childhood, all the way through adulthood. And they always would fantasize about visiting the digital world, which they knew existed because they, you know, they heard voices from, from the internet and the computer talking to them. Unfortunately, when, when Hiroki was killed, he kind of, you know, went off the deep end and became determined to make their, their childhood dream a reality. And you even get a little scene of him showing Arakenimon and Mummymon to Hiroki's grave. So it really shows how, you know, how close they were, and how much they meant to each other. Later on, they, the rest of the gang goes to Heightenview Terrace to follow Noriko there. Oikawa shows up again, and just in time for the dark spore to blossom into a dark flower on Noriko's head, Arakenimon and Mamiwan appear and barricade Oikawa while he sucks the data out of the, the flower, which causes it to dissipate. The, you know, a bit of a knockdown drag-out brawl ensues as Exfimon and Stingmon become Pyeldramon and start fighting the, the two evil Digimon. Armadillomon becomes Digmon, but immediately gets jobbed, like, super hard. I think this is the fastest <laughs> Digivolution to defeat time lapse we've ever seen. Cody gets pretty upset about everything that's going on, and he's about to, to face off with, with Oikawa before he's interrupted yet again by Black War Grandmon diving through a portal to, to fight them. He has a bit of a conversation with Oikawa about his purpose and what, he, uh, what he's here for, and... Then Cody's grandpa shows up, because we've got a whole party all going on at Hayabu Terrace right now, and recognizes Oikawa and talks about how, like, you know, he knew how much Hiroki meant to him, but this isn't, you know, this isn't the way to, to honor his memory. And it, it looks like Oikawa is listening, like he's, you know, he's starting to kind of 
come to his senses when all of a sudden the dark power he sucked from the dark flower seems to like infect him and take him over. His eyes turn all red and he gets this purple aura. And he shoots a blast of energy out of his hand, despite being a human, straight towards Cody's grandpa. But Blackboard Grandma dives in the way and takes the, the full brunt of the blast. He gets a huge, you know, hole shot right through him, but manages to protect the, the, the two humans. Oikawa, like, kind of momentarily is able to take control again. And, but not, not after he gives off, like, this very familiar laugh that uh, Blackboard Grandma recognizes and kind of, again, alludes to someone pulling Oikawa's strings, even though he himself seems to be some kind of puppet master. And Oikawa, like, he takes his leave once again and finally reveals that his plan is not to destroy the digital world, as the dub erroneously previously claimed, but to just go there himself and, and see it for himself. And so he kind of runs away while Black Morgan decides that he wants to use the last of his energy to seal the, the gate at Hyatt Terrace and protect both worlds from the evil that he now knows is present. So he flies up into the air and disintegrates as, he, you know, his data flows into the, the hole. And plugs it up, and everyone has a good cry over his sacrifice, with Agumon calling him a true friend and hero, and that's where the episode ends. So yeah, a lot a lot happens in this in a good way. Like I after several episodes of not a whole lot happening, the amount that's packed into these two is kind of nuts. Definitely. Like it's it's impressive how how much mileage they get out of the the stuff in here. But it doesn't necessarily feel like too overwhelming, I feel like. Yeah, like it's it's very cohesive. They're not they're not overstuffed, but they're they're very full. So yeah, this episode in particular, I feel like I don't like the Cody back. Well, not not Cody really. It's his it's his parent. I suppose it's his dad. It feels so out of out of nowhere. We all just knew Cody. We knew. See, here's the thing. Here's what we knew about Cody's dad: is that he was a cop and he died in the line of duty. Okay. One, three, one, two. This episode doesn't even touch upon the fact... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, it, it doesn't even touch upon the circumstances behind his death or anything like that. You know, if that was the thing that it was building on here, as it turns out, like, you know, he sacrificed himself. You know, he he jumped in front of a bullet that was meant for Oikaru or something. That might be a bit more interesting. He was, he was just like, oh, here they were friends. And, you know, I guess that's a thing. Yeah, it's, it's another example of, like, late late game course correction i think where they didn't really know what to do with cody's dad and now they do because this ties multiple characters into well, the story yeah there was nothing to do there was nothing to do with cody's dad like he didn't need to be any more of a character you know any more of what he what he yeah. was which is like cody's backstory really um so having having this our our current connection here just feels like something that they didn't remember to they kind of maybe it was an idea that they forgot they had and and so on or yeah, or, or or more likely, it's the it's the newer writers that come in and just been like, oh well, how what, what if we do this? It wasn't established previously. Well, we can't go back and change that now. So let's just work with what we have. I don't know. Like I feel like maybe it would have worked better if it was like another character's that. Well, no, 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 that wouldn't even be as good actually because it's it's the only thing that I could possibly think of is if they went back to like use you know because TK's TK's mom mom had a connection with Orikawa previously you know they they had they had encountered one another um so maybe if they went back to that well or something that might be interesting i don't i, I do like that it's cody because cody has kind of fallen by the wayside in, in in the wake of like you know the davis and ken show starting but yeah all the same it does it does feel kind of like uh, okay i guess so that said 
beyond beyond that, beyond the whole the way that it just kind of feels kind of shoehorned in, I do I do think what it does to Oikawa and continues to grow him as like a really interesting character is uh, is really good. Is re- is really good stuff. So overall, I think it's uh, a decent. I, I'm super glad that they're allowing him to have this kind of depth and complexity before he's taken down because that's like. I feel like that's such a common anime thing, is that a lot of the villains will have sad backstories that only get revealed, like, either after they're already defeated or right before they get defeated, so that it adds up, like, some undue emotional complexity to their defeat. I feel like characterizing him this way in the middle of his of his arc is a good way of, of increasing both the emotional stakes and giving, you know, different characters extra connections to the plot and reasons to care about this, because that's something we've yeah. been saying, like, I think almost every week since, like, the Emperor arc ended, was Cody doesn't really have anything to do in the show. Like, he feels like he has no connection to the conflict at hand. And I think this is a really good way of tying him to that and making it feel really personal for him. Definitely. And, and speaking yeah. of what you're saying, like, we didn't even get, like, the characterization and humanization so much of with Ken until after he was defeated. But we're getting all this now with uh, Oikawa, and I, I like it a lot in how it's just, like... We're getting all this build-up of him before, like, everything sort of comes crashing down around him and the end of the series hits. Yeah. I, I, and- I, I, will, I will disagree with the notion that I think this this benefits Cody as a character, because it, it puts him in scenes more, I will say. I think that's all it actually does for him, is that, like, he's more present, which by, you know, by, by, um... What's the phrase? By necessity, I suppose it will mean that he's more, you know, he's more involved, and therefore he gets more to do. And character development will naturally be 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 seen as part of that. But I don't think it, it is all for Oikawa's benefit. It's just a case of like, oh, we need something to ground Oikawa and like explore his backstory and and sort of get to the point where we pull him back from the darkness and you know, so that we can have the the real villain push him way further down that path. Um, and they decided to use Cody's dad because that was at least an established like older character we don't know much about. So fine, but I don't think it does anything for Cody. Like beyond what he... it it will, I'll say that it, it will. It'll, it gives him, it gives him a bit more to do in in the, in the next few episodes, like the final few episodes. Fair enough. So I'll reserve judgment then until I've seen those. So that'll be interesting. But I will say I think the scene at the end where like Oikawa like finally sort of snaps out of it as it were like not for the first time necessarily because he does say to uh arikenimon and Mon, like hey wait no don't kill this small child <laughs> actually um don't, let's let's not do that <laughs> just yet it, th- this is a moment where he's like at the end where he's like well oh i see what happened now you know after the after the offer of friendships being out uh being offered by um cody's granddad and then he's like then immediately as soon as that happens the real perpetrator, uh, you know, my mom, we know who it is, um, <laughs> is, is ready to just like immediately shove him straight back down the dark path to the point where he literally, you know, where it ends up with a hole being put through like, walking in on his chest. You know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's quite, it, in its own way, if I didn't know what was coming and how kind of corny and lame it was, it's like, I would, I would be suitably like, you know, uh, it's an intimidating moment, I suppose. Because there's no like, don't you dare or whatever sort of thing. There's no, there's zero hesitation in that moment. It's just like, oh, he's faulted. Let's get this back on track, and then you know, let's get him being an evil bastard again. Um, so I like that. I like that moment. Yeah, I, I, I just wish Black War Women didn't, didn't have to go out like this. <laughs> it deserves better. 
this this very much feels like a tying off loose end type of decision where it's like we well, we left this character with nothing to do, so let's give him something to do. Yeah. But I I kinda like how like Blackmore Greymon as a character is like messy and like kinda dumb and he just sort of like wrecked the power scaling and like monopolized some episodes where it's like, okay, this is kinda boring. But I kinda do like that he has like this like last moment of like in the last episode he's like the next time I see you all, we'll be friends. And then he just comes in and takes the shot and just gets bodied, like, incredibly easily. And But then sort of is like, okay. And he just starts, like, screaming as he flies into the sky and seals the gate. I like it. It's 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 a it's a nice end, I guess. It's a it's a better end than he could have had. So I w- what at I will least say is that is that is that um Sega O um Toei some serious money. Uh, you know they. Are, this is basically just the end of like Sonic Adventure Two. <laughs> Shadow. <laughs> this is how Shadow the Hedgehog goes out. This is for you, Maria. <laughs> you know it's, it's literally just the same thing. And that and that game came out like a year later. Um, or, or even the same year, even as this. So, yeah, there's there's some. This uh... is for you, Chikara. Your Hida. This is what you wanted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This, this, this is for you, Agumon. This is what you wanted. Um, yeah, really, really interesting <laughs> parallels there. Um, I didn't mention it in the previous episode as well, but like, there's a moment where like War Greymon and Black War Greymon are fighting in the snow, and all I could think of is the is the is the strange isn't it moment from the from the sonic ova which is very like with sonic and metal sonic fighting in the snow very similar anyway sorry that's that's my sonic fanboy moment <laughs> you know we, we we gotta have at least one per week that's 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 your thing <laughs> yeah you get two minutes and that's it <laughs> that's your that's your sonic soapbox i like it sonic says <laughs> yeah. sonic says uh shoot uh black creepy... out of the arc if a Tommy Wiseau-looking guy tries to approach you to put a flower in your head, get out of there. That's no That's good. No good. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Uh, all right, but yeah, I think what what really sells the the Oikawa's quote-unquote transformation for me is that they they have the shot of him as a kid, and he looks like completely normal. Like his he's you know healthy healthy skin tone. Um, you know his hair is is groomed. He looks like a you know, a normal person, and then the very next shot after Cody's dad dies, he immediately looks like he's like gaunt and you know pale and has his disheveled hair. Like it's they Looking visually like communicate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he just looks like shit. But like, yeah. it's, it's not even it's not even like he immediately turns into like the Oikawa we have now because like, Oikawa, yeah, like he, he's an ugly bastard and like he kind of has a Frankenstein thing going on. But he's not like, or not even Frankenstein. I'm thinking like. um Oh, what's the what's the big dude in the Adams family? Called? Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> well, it's, no, he's not. He's not just Tommy Wiseau. I'm thinking <laughs> Prince of, Philip. Um, un- Uncle, right? You two are being useless. <laughs> I'm thinking of the big uh, cousin. It. Is oh, cousin it? um, Lurch. Lurch. That's it. Yeah. So he just he just starts looking like Lurch. Um, <laughs> by the time we. He looks like Lurch in like the in like the present day in this show, but like he's not. His transformation into that isn't immediate. He just starts getting like pale, pale, and like sort of skeleton in his face, like he's like he's, you know, he's not eating properly or something, or like, and then and then at some point he just gets massive, I guess. Like he he gets really tall at some point because, you know, even for an adult character, he's he's built like a brick shit house really. <laughs> so he's uh. Yeah, I'm not sure how that happened, but I guess it probably somewhere between making Digimon out of his own 
flesh and and the present day. So he's a weird he, he's a weird dude. He's got he's got some he's got some stuff going on. Yeah, but yeah, I just I just really like how how well his his downfall is visually communicated. Like, I know that there's an issue of like you know ugliness equals evilness and whatever, but like yeah, the in my opinion, showing like the the features that they showed with him, like the the, the juxtaposition between his you know pre death and post death selves, does a really good job of communicating the grief he's gone through with without you know, outright stating, oh, you know, I stopped taking care of myself, I stopped going out, and whatever. Yeah, I... It makes him feel incredibly human. Yeah. Because it's like... like with, he just, I mean, like, that's all, super like, he understandable. exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he has sort of given up because the one person who, like, ever cared about him is now gone. And it's yeah, like, and... you know what? I can totally understand him just being like, you know what? I don't really care about looking nice anymore because dude is like, like we see like in these flashbacks, like dude is very depressed. Mm-hmm. And they were very close. Like they're, I know we joke a lot about like homoerotic undertones, but like I, it seems pretty yep. clearly like they were trying to say that they had some kind of like, you know, relationship going on. Yeah. Very at least, at least from yeah, what we call read, aside. Read into, that, read into that what you will, but yeah, they were, they were, they were close. Yeah, like there, there's scenes of them making like snowmen together. Like you don't see two dudes do that in any other. <laughs> no, they're they're not making snowmen. They're making Frigimon. That's true. They're making Frigimon. Special Frigimon appearance. If that scene of if so, if this was like made today, as it were, I feel like they'd change that scene to like have have it be a romance he had with like a one of the characters like moms or something because they would have realized one of the characters moms. That was like. Well, <laughs> Well, you know, but like at the time, you know, like childhood sweethearts, all that, all that sort of thing. That's what that's what I'm saying. But because like, like they would okay. have clearly looked at this and been like, "Oh wait, no, these two are gay for each other." Like, like, and if they didn't mean to do that, they would have they would have corrected it. In this scene, I think I think they were yeah. probably just like they, they they probably didn't intend for that. But I'm glad they, regardless, what they put on that screen is is very hard to not see as. That they were romantically involved, so you know, um, kind of the benefits yeah. of that probably not coming to mind, I suppose. Um, and you know what? This is the new headcanon. This is the new canon, in fact. <laughs> it's in the text. It's in the text. It's, so, it's, you know. it's literally in the text. It's this is a case yes. of I know writers use subtext and they're all cowards because they should yep. just have them kiss. <laughs> Here we go. I'm bringing back that it's, bit. It's, I don't yeah. like. Sorry, sorry to just swing wildly, I suppose, but like, why, why did they have to have them involved in the digital world stuff? Like, specifically, I'm thinking Cody's dad being like aware of Digimon, and by by extension, his like granddad. That is a really weird, like, eleventh hour, you know, decision or whatever, which I think really kind of undermines Cody just being like. It adds some sort of like borderline chosen one qualities to like Cody's Cody ending up as a digestant or something, which I really don't care for. Um, and I don't see you could have done the exact same storyline with like Oikawa becoming aware of Digimon after the fact that like and then like him him sort of like go getting really deep into that sort of thing to like have some sort of conduit for his grief which they kind of do already but i just don't get why i, I really it really puts me off that cody's dad was aware of digimon 
it, I don't know why it just does. And I'm wondering if either of you feel the same, or if it's just me being kind of kind of weird. I I sort of get you because like it feels like from episode one that the D threes are basically like we just went to the first person that we could find, like in a way, and now it's just sort of like. I get what you're going for, but I like the fact that, like, there's, like, this connection because, like, it's been sort of, like, this thing over and over, and, like, especially in Tamers, that, like, Digimon have just always been there as long as computers and video games and the like have. So I think it is, like, this, like, neat thing that, like, oh, dude's playing a video game, and he just sort of, like, gets this glimpse, this intonation of, like, something more. It's It's more of, like, Cody's granddad's, like, sudden, like, Ah, uh, yes. Are you saying your armadillo mon is not from this world? Maybe a digital one. And it's just sort of like, okay, man, like, we get it. Like, you you know what's going on. That was really shit. I think that's, shit I think that's my issue. <laughs> Where he's like, ah, maybe your armadillo friend isn't from this world. Maybe he's from another one. Maybe it's a no digital shit. one. And I'm just like, dude, like, go okay, away. He, like, he, with one line, he went from, like, no shit to, okay, you just, you just crossed the line. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you just you just went from saying something really obvious to saying something that you should have no idea about. <laughs> so, or, or or should have a lot of idea about, but this show can't make up its mind regarding that. I I just do appreciate though that uh, in that very same scene, Cody's mom just doesn't even like regard the giant armadillo on their patio. It's fantastic. It's 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 an ornament, you know. It's they got it from the they got it from the the garden center or whatever they have in japan yeah you're so. right yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah that's so i don't know that whole conversation was made my eyes kind of roll back into my head but, the, but by the time it gets to oikawa and you see what it means regarding that it was kind of it's kind of fun also i feel like they toned down um i feel like they toned down uh cody's granddad's like mr Miyagi accent because it didn't feel as egregious as it has in the past it's still not great. Yeah, but like... I was kind of noticing. I'm like, something feels different about you, and I think it's less racism, but it's, it's still <laughs> like there. Just like smacks, uh, smacks lips. Mm, less racism, huh? <laughs> yes, that's basically <laughs> what it was for me. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was just like kind of off, but I'm mean, also just because there's dialogue for him that wasn't just talking about prune juice. So, you know, that's it's been a while since we've had any, any other out of him, so... I don't know. I kind of feel conflicted about Cody's granddad. I can't tell if I like his character or not, because he's been in some pretty good scenes, and he's been part of Cody's character development, which, overall, I think I've enjoyed. But he kind of... Some of his lines that he has, not just in this episode, but, like, previous ones, just feel very, like, you know, tropey or obvious or whatever. And then, of course, there's his accent, which I just can't get over. <laughs> so... I'm really of two minds. Maybe, maybe in the, maybe in the this sub, it's episode better. does a a lot of heavy lifting, like in terms of like giving him a purpose. Because like before, he's just like, "Haha, I'm the old man who drinks prune juice," and it's just like at least this gives him something. And it's like, sure, like he's just a crotchety old dad who is like, "Hey, son, don't play those evil video games." And it's like, oh, that was so strange. It felt like. It's very, like, late 90s, early 1000s to see a character be like, you're not allowed to play video games anymore because they're evil. And I'm just like, okay, <laughs> this is definitely of the time. 
slow when you say that, but I just watched the first episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier today, and there's a very, very, very similar scene in that show. <laughs> like, it's, um, like <laughs> Sam's Sam's uh, Sam's sister just being nice to her kids. Bucky, stop playing Don't... Persona Five. It's evil. It has <laughs> demons in it. <laughs> no, it's literally Sam's sister just being like to her kids. Don't play video games while I'm gone, and they're like, "We won't." Okay, yeah, we will. <laughs> it's just like, whoa, what, wait, what year is it? Like, Uncle Sam, can we play Fortnite? Sure. Uh, use your. I have your mom's credit card. Go buy some V Bucks. <laughs> Only if you play as Captain America. <laughs> you know what? Uh, you know what? Uh, Cody's uh, granddad reminds me of in the flashback. What it reminds you of uh, Grandpa Simpson? <laughs> Just like you, you darn kids in your videos game. <laughs> Are you about like Grandpa Simpson from like Simpsons flashbacks? Because like, yeah, like, like when when yeah how he's portrayed in flashbacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of yeah. I get a similar vibe. Yeah, totally. Um, also, them st- them stood in like the rain, looking super fucking sad. <laughs> it's just they're under the one umbrella. <laughs> it's just like, oh, so weird. Gra- it's like Grandpa like- banned our video games. It's like they joined at the hip. It's like it gets from being like, oh, they're just like really close friends or whatever, slash lovers, uh, to like, oh, they're just like Sherry and Terry from The Simpsons. They're just like connected like, to one another. Like, they just walk the exact same way. It, it was, um, it, it, you know what it almost reminded, reminds me of, come to think of it? It reminds me of like, you know, when um, we see Pyodramon for the first time and you have like Davis and Ken just like running side by side, the exact same like pace and like, you know they're just like leaping over stuff <laughs> at the exact same time it reminds me of that so um i don't know they, they could have done like an ova where like the dna digivolved or something else yeah like the one the one dub change that i wasn't really fond of in this episode was uh originally oikawa's flashbacks had no narration it was just music and visuals so like it didn't over explain anything it just like let the visuals do the talking that's maybe a little bit much i feel like some narration wouldn't be too bad I don't know. I'll have to yeah. watch it, I suppose. Like, Digimon to, has, like, like a problem of, like, too, in the dub, too much narration in, a, in, like, a flashback and just not letting things sort of sit for a moment. But then I hear the stuff about, like, the sub just has no narration and you just have to sit there and, like, I I would like a healthy balance of both. I think both are good. Yeah, or, like, minimal mu- minimal music as well in the sub, which is... Uh, something I found difficult when watching Digimon Adventure, like, or, or trying to, I guess, um, you know, I think I, I think I appreciate this a bit of distance <laughs> for the most part, because some of those things are just so, the, the tonal shift from like going from the, from the hyperkinetic dub to like the really sort of more mellow sub is a bit yeah hard. <laughs> it's a bit hard to of a swing at times. Uh, not saying one's better than the other. And for what, for, for what it's worth, the sub of Digimon Adventure 02 in particular seems to be far and away the like better way to watch this. Um, yeah, that hasn't stopped me from not watching it and just with the dub, of course. But that's kind of the, that's kind of why we're here. <laughs> so it's to watch the ridiculous Fox Kids uh, show that we remember. So yeah, think, you're right. And for something like this, when Oikawa's edition, all this lore is very last minute you kind of need to do some heavy lifting with it and so i understand like why they went like very heavy on the narration stuff so it's like okay i can understand that because otherwise if it's just like two minutes two three minutes of just like these two kids like sort of growing up it's like 
yeah, I can get it, but at least, at the very least, and especially for kids, it's like, okay, spell it out, like, you don't have a lot of time, you need to, you need to get the show on the road, like, just spell stuff out. Yeah. Because as uh, Scrafty posted a picture of young uh, Hiroki and young uh, Yukio, there is no heterosexual explanation for that, and you need to have some narration if you're <laughs> wanting to make sure that you don't get that applied another way, which, even though that doesn't even help, but still... Yeah, we don't want anyone thinking that our villain is a gay. We're gonna, we're gonna finally no, write that. No, that's the only time you're allowed to think they're a gay. Remember, <laughs> I mean, he, he just created, Disney. He created two Digimon from his DNA. One of them is like sexy spider lady, and the other one is just An like girl. The, yeah, the, the the like campus voice I've seen on a Digimon yet. So like, <laughs> I feel like there's probably, I feel, I feel like we can just say yeah, they probably meant for him to be gay. Yeah, that, that's fine. The the, the trans always call ahead canon is real. That's why that's why our kidding one's so fine. <laughs> sure. Yeah, okay. Let's go with that. It's <laughs> canon. Fun idea. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's in the text. Remember, again. head canon is canon if you want it to be. Who cares what Word of God says? That one screenshot of, like, they they have their arms around each other as cherry blossom petals fall around them. And, like, it's tradition in Japan. If you want to confess your love to someone, you do it under the cherry blossoms. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the cherry <laughs> so blossoms bad. are doing a lot of heavy lifting oh. here. God, okay, that's hilarious. That's that is, that is yeah, explicit. Jesus Christ! Like, like, um, great. But Cody's dad coward. has his hand around his waist. Like, it's not even like a chummy like friend thing. It's like, no, that's how I hold my girlfriend when we're on the couch watching yeah. TV. Yeah, honestly, no, yeah, kind of brave to put this into a '90s anime TV anime aimed at kids. So surprised there was no backlash because, yeah, the more that you point out, the more that's clearly what it was for. So that's clearly what they were going for. So props to them. Oh, logging on to tvtropes.org to add ambiguously gay to the villains page. <laughs> it's the like one that's like n- not at all ambiguous, but but you know, it, of of it, it was the nineties <laughs> or whatever. Because whatever whatever that trope's called, that, that's what this is. I don't know. I don't. I don't use Anywho. that enough to to know those by heart. All I know is that people people make make fun of the one called ambiguously gay because it's only used on characters who are like almost one hundred percent confirmed gay. Oh, perfect. Okay, even better. Because <laughs> it's like oh, we just don't know. We just we just don't know. TV trips isn't my thing either, but yeah. I'm sure there's a, a, a I'm sure there's a long Digimon page on there. No, no, no doubt. The 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 best thing to come out of it is that picture of um, Sylvester Stallone from Spy Kids um, 3D doing like a point out of the screen, and the caption's like, "Stop the freaking movie! This guy's updating the freaking TV tropes page." <laughs> <laughs> so um, I just looked, and there is no ambiguously gay. The only uh. Uh, trope on Digimon Adventure Zero Two that is gay is gay Perry, uh, and it says Takeru and Taichi go to Paris where people are flamboyant and romantic. So uh, that's pretty. So we gotta do some heavy lifting on the TV tropes page. Yeah, we're gonna have to put in. Um, yeah, just put in all the, all the. I don't know if you leave that edit notes and just be like, hey, hey, did you, did you idiots not even notice all of this? And, and <laughs> it's just like a range of like you've got Yule in there, you've got Davis and Ken, you've got Matt and Ty. You've got Owikawa and Cop Dad. There's know. a point where it's not <laughs> even like ambiguously like all of these like between Yoli's feelings for me, clear feelings for Mimi, uh, <laughs> Davis and Ken, and now this. Yeah, like, I feel like the, the only whoever was making the show was was really pushing it. They were like, just really like, I don't yeah. care if I get fired. Yoli is a chaos spy, and I'm making sure it happens. 
the only thing with Davies and Ken is that I feel like it's incredibly low hanging fruit to make jokes about the um, about the DNA evolution stuff. Um, but then at the same time, you have the other two D- D- DNA pairs, okay, Jogress pairs, I don't know, um, who have basically zero chemistry with one another for the most part. So I think it's absolutely fair game to point out that yes, Davis and Ken are obviously B- BFs. So and plus, even if Anywho. that's low hanging fruit, there is way more evidence for Davis and Ken. I hate to admit it, there's more evidence for Davis and Ken than there is for Joe and Mimi. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Yes, 100%. Like, sorry. I can't I can't believe you said that. I hope you keep it in because I will keep that forever. I Look, there's the second most evidence is for Joe and Mimi, let's be real. Well, the, no, actually, the, the second most seven... evidence is Ty, is Ty and uh, Matt, and oh then third most yeah. is Joe and Mimi. The, the, the least, the less evidence there is, the harder you have to, like, Put your faith into it, which is clearly what Sloane's been doing this whole time. You can't, you cannot deny Sloane's efforts yeah, you... in keeping the Jeremy dream alive. So, you know, look for some reason it's a rare pair, and I don't understand why. When they spent like <laughs> half of uh, half of Adventure together, and even if the Valentine yeah, and R War game is a dub invention, it still should be counted within canon. Yeah. To to quote a very edgy man, faith is the tar that fills the gaps between reality. Is that like the jo- something the Joker said? I have no idea who said it. I just know that it was said by someone who probably sucks now. Blackmore Greymon. <laughs> okay. Blackmore Greymon said it. Blackmore Greymon. <laughs> you can tell us that. There we go. Yeah, more Greymon said that. But that's that's the new that's that's the new Hatsune Miku. If there's anything edgy that you want to salvage, just say Blackmore Greymon said that. Coming, nice. off okay, the, coming off of the back of this discussion, I feel like it's a perfect time to bring to, bring to uh, bring to attention the the like news reports at the beginning of this episode. Where they just to say like, oh, the Digimon's all a hoax or whatever, blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, and they say it might be the work of practical jokers and goofballs. Goofballs <laughs> <laughs> just a really obviously like a obviously like a dub like joke joke line, haha, funny funny. But like that is uh, the the thought of like someone actually using that to like describe like for example, I don't know, like QAnon weirdos or whatever in real life is just really funny to me. It's just like conspiracy first or whatever. This... It's like oh, just. Practical this was the work of shenanigans. <laughs> sure, Look, yeah, even better. Did either of you have the feeling of that one dude who was wearing the hat and the sunglasses? Yes, yes. That that dude is just Dale Gribble. That dude's just <laughs> Dale from King of the Hill, for all the way down to the conspiracy oh, theory. That dude's of, yeah. just Dale. Yeah, that was in, that was in, uh, yeah that was in forty six. But yeah, yeah, I I thought I wrote down like oh, oh cool. is that forty six? Yeah, yeah. I, I wrote down like I don't oh, cool, I don't remember. Conspiracy nuts on the TV, how topical. <laughs> it just feels very, <laughs> very of the moment. Ugh. Yeah. Nancy's over at John Redcorn's house watching all the good episodes of Frontier. Wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you're going to start throwing King of the Hill references at me, I'm going to be exposed because I've not watched that show. Everything I've seen. Right, that, one, that, one was just, that one was just for Sloan, then. That one was just for Sloan. That was for me. Thank you. <laughs> I, I really, I really. Dang it, Bobby. You know, I told it, you, you can't play with Tamagotchis anymore. You need to play <laughs> with your Digimon Repet. <laughs> no, if Disney has to own everything, then they can at le- they can at least port King of the Hill on <laughs> Disney Plus. Like that, that would be very nice. So, um, yeah, I think I think they yeah. still have a contract with Netflix or someone that's that's gonna run out, and then it'll I go think it might be Hulu because Hulu? I remember okay, watching yeah. on Hulu. Yeah, there we go. It's not anywhere in Canada, so I I wouldn't know. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna check. Disney the, needs to app. put. Uh, Data Squad on Disney Plus because otherwise they don't, they don't own that. That's Saban has that. Like everything. Wait, is... I, but didn't Disney dub it? 
Does yeah, it just but, like, like, I think, have I think, it, to it? I think everything just ended up with with Saban after like the because like Disney bought the like original iteration of Saban, I believe, and like a lot of rights for stuff like that and Power Rangers and and things like that. But then Saban kind of like reformed, and then they got like the Power Rangers license back, and they probably I think they okay. went to Disney and were just like. Or like Disney just uh, decided to, you know, they gave Digimon a go and it didn't really go anywhere, so they just let the rights lapse and then it ended up back with Saban after after a while. So yeah, no, they they and and then Saban since then they just licensed it out to like Funimation, Viz, and whoever. So yeah, there's that's that's I, generally I how googled it went who owns the rights too, and on Google the first result was Digimon. So Google dragged me for filth. Yeah, they they know they know everything you're thinking. They know they know. Okay, it was announced on February 12, 2009 that Toei Animation has signed WellGo USA with the DVD rights to Digimon Data Squad. And the first 13 US edited English dub episodes have been made available on May 26, 2009, so I guess Toei owns it? Oh yeah, Toei owns Digimon. But like, do you mean like US distribution? Yeah. Or like, I guess not US, but like worldwide or whatever, I don't know. I mean, I bought those, I bought the, like, I think with distribution and stuff it gets a bit different, but like, I think... I think there's, I don't know, on some of the games it like mentions Saban, but like, I don't think it's done that recently. Like, I don't think it's on Digimon Story, for example, so, ah, uh, I'll, got those, I don't know. The Power Rangers stuff is still under Saban, I know that, and that was kind of like, their two big things was Power Rangers and Digimon, so, um, but, yeah, I don't know. Wait, didn't, didn't, didn't Saban go defunct? Like, I thought, I thought that they were just like... Uh, they did. They did it at one point, but then they came back as like a, as like a branding, thing. Hmm. I think. I think. So. I think that's how it went, but I'm not sure. Also, I'm, I'm kind of like split my attention halfway between that and uh, trying to see if King of the Hills on on Disney Plus, <laughs> which I don't think it is <laughs> yet. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna. That's very upsetting. Okay. Um, so Tom. Uh, going yes. back to something earlier, you want you were curious how I thought this episode was like Dragon Ball Z. Oh yes, that's right. Yes, I forgot about that. Uh, Noriko just straights up and we call it just straight up go Kaioken and start glowing ores around them. Oh wow! Yeah, we call fires off a key blast. Kaioken times ten. Yeah, Noriko goes Kaioken times ten as the dark flower grows. And yeah, uh, Oikawa throws a key blast at um Blackboard Greymon. <laughs> That's right. That does happen. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Blackboard Greymon does the Piccolo thing to uh, to Cody's grandpa. He he puts he puts Cody's grandpa in the headlock so Cody's grandpa gets hit by the by the key blast. <laughs> That's what you get for being racist. <laughs> No, that's what you get for being a racist caricature who also. Gets- <laughs> yeah, that, this so. is what you get for not letting your son play Fortnite. <laughs> yes, let them play. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else got to say about this one. I, 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 I quite like. Uh, I think the end. I think the ending sweet in like a very sort of like. Um, reminds me of something else. That is a very, it's a very typical like anime sacrifice moment. So it's, it's, it's quite good. In that yeah, I liked it. Uh, Scrafty, do they go into any elaboration at all in the sub, like, what those panels are? Like, they're just, like, laying down, like, bricks in the digital world, and I'm just like, I understand they're sealing it, but, like, literally, what is going on? Like, they're just laying down, like, concrete slabs onto the floor. They're they're trying to physically cover the gates <laughs> so that people can't get through them. That's so dumb, I love it. It's, it's very goofy, yeah. <laughs> also, uh... 
did anyone just get like a, a deadly premonition vibe from the whole like uh dark dark seed going yeah, so or dark spore growing it? I was like, this is such a deadly premonition vibe. <laughs> the fucking um the fucking thing like growing out of her head is so oh that's really creepy and I didn't expect that. Yeah, very like Twin Peaks deadly premonition sort of thing. Um. Um, it also reminded me a lot of like uh, as soon as sort of something starts growing out of someone's head in an anime, I'm immediately not thinking of uh, Fooly Cooly. So <laughs> you know that that was also like a surprising surprising moment, um, especially because I think Fooly Cooly only came out like came out after this. So, but uh, yeah, obviously that that's very different. That was like robots coming out. Wait, did it? Stuff. I thought Fooly Cooly was a year before this. Uh, let's have a look. Yeah, Fooly Cooly was 2000, so it would have it would have ended right when these episodes were airing. Fuliculi looks so good that I always think it's like a few years later. So um, it, it it looked amazing for its time, yeah. Yeah, it still does. Still, you know, I mean, it's, I, I it still it still blows my eyes. Like, but back then it was like transcendent. Yeah, yeah. Back then it was one of those like this is movie quality. I really think that this this era when like this show came out and was like a I don't know if golden's the right word, but it was like a really great era time for like anime being dubbed and stuff. Like some of the best dubs ever came out around this time like Fruity Cooties dub is fantastic um uh, I mostly just like that they referenced Rage Against the Machine directly which I thought was fun um and then like you had Cowboy Bebop and uh I think the Digimon show is up there for all of its various faults and you know it, it's yeah Cowboy it's Bebop sitting at his computer Cowboy Bebop was great like I don't I don't know I like that theme a lot Oh yeah, I've only watched part of it, but it's it's good. I liked it. Well, I think it's one of my top ten. I think it's one of my top ten faves. Wait, which what Cowboy Bebop? Yeah. Oh yeah, no, totally. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Absolutely. Um, there was like Samurai Champloo. I think that might come a bit later, but that's definitely yeah. up there as well. Having a another good another great Watanabe one. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, just good, just great stuff coming out. Uh, yeah, and I think I think there's a lot of like intermingling between like how the Digimon dub was made and like you had the other stuff around the same time as like the Akira dub, I forget when that came out, but like I mean Joshua Seth is in the Akira dub for, as an example. So like, you know, there's definitely some shared DNA there. Um yeah, some just really cool stuff. Um but yeah, the Dark Spore. Sorry, <laughs> went a bit off track there. The Dark Spore, um <laughs> the like seed coming out of her head was really yeah, really weird. Um Yeah, it's super creepy and I love it. Smoke She turns into a Pikmin. Stuff. <laughs> yes, that's it. Oh yeah, um, yeah. It, it, you know what? It honestly reminds me of like this this episode in particular. A lot of the themes of like, and I guess the previous one. A lot of the themes of like these. Do you have this backstory of people creating Digimon and and like the relationship between humans and Digimon and like you know how it affects people's personalities and stuff. A lot of stuff in here you you, you would see again, like not even a year later in in Tamers. Like there was a lot of Tamers DNA in these few episodes, I feel like, and it feel it yeah. makes it almost feel like even more kind of horror-ish because it's juxtaposed against the adventure like cast and crew who are very much kind of the antithesis of that. Like they're, they're way more like heroic and happy-go-lucky and whatever. Whereas this is just like of, like no, this is weird shit which will change your personality and worldview and like you know there's body horror stuff going on and you know there's no necessarily happy ending and stuff which is definitely a big part of what Tamers was doing so yeah cool cool it was really cool but it's funny to think that like Kanaka was 
involved in the show before, and at this point he had left, uh, or had been, or had been hard at work on Tamers. But you can still sort of almost feel his influence and somehow some of these. It almost makes me feel like they went back to him and asked for some ideas. That honestly, I honestly almost. That's my conspiracy theory is that like he actually helped write these episodes because there's just some good stuff in these which feel like very very tamers very similar to tamers like yeah, it's, it's very it's, possible yeah because at, at this very point like, in, go ahead yeah like at this point in production they would have already started working on tamers because tamers started airing like right after this ended so for sure he was already on board with the writing and stuff so yeah no absolutely and, and you know maybe that maybe they just know straight up it's like well how things how how things going for you um pretty good how how things going for you working on the end of adventure two oh god it's awful Oh god! Oh god! It's a nightmare. Can you can you help us? It's like hey, sure, yeah. You know, I've just written this really cool death scene, uh, but you know, I think I've got some time to to help you uh, finish this show that I got kicked off of. Okay, cool, awesome. Um, yeah, okay. This is this is my fan fiction. Not the re- not not rewriting uh, all of Adventure O Two, but writing the behind the scenes interactions between the O Two. You can't look. Real person fan fiction isn't cool, Tom. You can't okay, do sorry, that. Sorry, I don't yeah, care what the Polygon article says. You shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> I didn't see an article like that. That's that's not good. Ooh. Yeah, wasn't yeah, good. Talk, yeah, I'll ask you about that later. Yeah, uh, this reminded me of a point that I said last episode that I, there were some parts I liked, and it's in regards to Noriko and Ken's talk, where she's like, yeah, like, who cares about, like, having friends and being loved? Do you think that makes you anything special? Like, I, I would rather be notable for, like, being smart. And it's like, that's kind of, like, just, like, a depressing but interesting, like, look at, like, obviously, like, major societal differences. Like, again, like, I don't think you could work this plot point nearly as effectively in, like, say, a U.S. setting or something. Like, there's a lot of focus from this, like, what, like, six, seven, maybe eight-year-old girl at the most who's like, I I need to succeed at all costs, and I will take this thing that will just straight up drain my humanity and a creepy old man will drain my life force, but it's okay because I'm going to be smart, and that's all that matters is that I get ahead in life. Yeah. Again, it's like it's a very condensed version of Ken's arc and what have you, but it's fun, it's fun to see him like yeah. Well, it's a it's, it's word, a little but, like, more heavy handed, but yeah, it, it's it's yeah. neat to see Ken being on the other side of things and be like, no, like I have to stop this, and the kid being like, what, like oh, you you're ordinary now, so why should I listen to you? Yeah, I also like that he doesn't like it doesn't give him like pause or anything. Like he has the kids like being like, oh, you're washed up. I'm you give this all away like a dumbass or whatever it's not like he's thinking should i have given it all away he's just thinking like well you know he never has that moment which is great because that's such an that was such a obvious thing to do like like folks drama essentially if they, if they were to try and do that sort of thing which they don't i was expecting yeah. it but they don't do it and i and i appreciate i do appreciate that they're very they are fully 100 percent locked into who ken is now which is great you know don't undo his character development just for just for a cheap, cheap shot of drama, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I quite like that scene. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. Anything else you want to cover off in this one before we wrap it up, Sloane? Uh, not a whole lot to be honest. I think we we we'd mind this uh, this episode for quite a bit of good uh, discussion already. I I I I've said this before. I really liked this episode. Like everything dealing with Oikawa is is really fascinating to me. I love his voice, I love his character. I actually love his design a lot too. Like it's a very striking appearance. 
Yeah, um, he is. He's very noticeable, which I think is one of the best parts. Is that like, you, like even in the um, like say like the 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 old pictures, like Ken's dad will show like it is very like immediate and like noticeable, even from like a black and white picture, and that's just like very strong design off the bat. Yeah, it's it's great. It's good stuff. It really is. So uh, I'm happy that they. I was really worried after the last few, last set of episodes we watched because I thought it was going to be this case of like having villain of the week trying to like and and Orikawa would probably have to compete with them or what have you until we get to the finale. But no, they they do right by you know bringing back a decent character in Black War Greymon who didn't really get his chance to shine properly due to some shoddy writing before and and then and then otherwise just focusing on Orikawa's deal and giving him giving him some some depth and so on you know, on top of what he already had. So it was really, yeah, really pleasantly surprised with these episodes. Even if overall, again, we've said it a million times, I just wish that the show had, like, actually ramped up to this in a meaningful way rather than just sort of doing, like, 11th hour course correction and what have you. Um, but yeah. yeah. That, oh, definitely. That's, yeah. That's, that's been said. I, I, I feel like a, uh, a record on repeat... A record on on repeat or a broken record. There we go. That's the phrase. A broken record. I feel like a broken record saying that every episode. So uh, I think I'm I think I'm done bash, uh, bashing that drum. So that's that's what your fan fiction is going to be for, though. To to course correct and make it right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just I, I'm not writing that. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm at the point now. They keep introducing so many new elements. I'm just like, okay, I kind of just need to appreciate this for the train the train wreck it kind of is. So <laughs> just leave it. Be. I I do. I'd really like the um, the willingness to course correct though. Instead, instead of just being like, "Oh, you know, I guess we're we're kind of setting this path forever," they're like, "No, we want to try to make tell a more interesting story than we have been telling." So we're we, like, you know, screw whatever we have to change to make that happen. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be like, I don't want to be like hot. I don't want to be like harsh on them, but like that maybe rings a little bit too generous because I think ultimately they still need to pull out a story, you know, and. So they had to they had to make something, and I think I think they've, you know, they didn't plan correctly and so on. So they've been kind of making up as they go along, and we know and we know the Digimon writing team has good ideas. Like we saw it in season one, we're going to see it again next series, and you know, in future as well. So we know that the, there's ta- the talented bunch. Um, it's just taken them a while to like get to a space where they can actually put something good out, and I think it's I think they'll finally at the point where. Maybe too little, too late, but like they have got to a point where they're like, they are back in the groove of things. I think. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, it's probably a bit long-winded, but <laughs> that's, yeah, okay, cool. So I think that's it then. Yeah. These were yeah, these were really good episodes. These are probably the best we've watched in a few weeks, and I really liked them. And I'm, I know that like coming up, we have a lot of messy stuff, but I am excited to see like how Oikawa's story comes together, like in the end. Like, I think that's the thing I'm looking forward to most right now. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, the next few weeks are going to be very interesting. And whether that's good or interesting or bad or interesting, uh, I think we know which it'll be, but <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll have good discussion about it nonetheless. Yeah. So, with that said, Scrafty, would you like to let us know where people can send any reader mail into? Yes, if you would like to send us reader mail, that's right, you, write us mail, because we love it. You can send any of that to diginovacast at gmail.com. That's D-I-G-I-Novacast at gmail.com. 
Can you repeat that uh, that address for oh, me? Uh, I think I might have cut out for a second. Yeah, uh, digi-novacast at gmail.com. D-I-G-I-novacast. It's N-O-V-A-C-A-S-T at G-M-A-I-L dot C-O-M. Also on our Twitter account, at digi-novacast. Blessed. Thank you. Okay, so we've actually got two emails this week. Yeah. Uh, so the first one comes from friend of the show, Kulki, who asks... Uh, I've been thinking about this ever since it was brought up how Jedi didn't want any of the world's militaries to find out about the digital world and how uh, digital world has a special bond with children. But how would you all think about a more bleak series about how ch- uh, you know children are roped into the mil- into military regimes to use Digimon for warfare purposes due to their bond with them? Uh, and then it says possibly directed and written by Tetsuyuki Nagai and Mari Okada, who are, uh, if you don't know, are two. Uh, anime directors and writers who are known for making a lot of uh, ser- anime series that are critical of the military-industrial complex, like um, A Certain Magical Index and uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans. Uh, I feel depressed thinking about that, but hey, it, if it's coming from a, pra- a place of criticism, hey, that could be good, but just hearing that idea just makes me feel like so sad and depressed because it's Digimon. <laughs> and it is like a, such a series of childlike wonder that you could subvert that very well. Like, and I don't want to be basic, but it's, like, sort of, like, in a way that, like, uh, Madoka Magica, like, subverts a lot of the whole, like, whimsy and, like, wonder of the whole, like, uh, Maho Shoujo type of uh, genre. You could do that, like, pretty well, I think, but also I just feel depressed thinking about that. Yeah, like, I I definitely, stuff like Cyber Sleuth and even Savers, to an extent, have me thinking, like, yeah, these could definitely work with, a, like, darker themes and materials, and if that subject were to be tackled, I definitely think those two directors would be the ones to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my worry, my worry with the notion of like doing a Digimon series where it's directly like getting into the into the idea of oh, what if we use Digimon for like military purposes and so on? Is that without the death touch, it's either okay. There's two, one or two ways that this would most likely go. It would either be a incredibly just like bleak. Or in in like ways that isn't necessarily true to the spirit of the show. Even even Tamers gets, which gets really bleak at times, is still very much a, a Digimon show and keeps the spirit and everything. So there's that possibility, or it just ends up being kind of fash. Like that, that's that's definitely a possibility as well. Given you know, you look at stuff like Attack on Titan, for example. So it's something that I don't want to. They, I, I would only want the most careful hands to pilots as it were yeah that's that's a fair that's a valid fear but i think the those directors have kind of proven themselves like i don't know how anyone could watch like iron-blooded orphans has its problem but i don't think anyone could watch it and go yeah this is fully in support of the japanese military especially right yeah, yeah. like gundam's probably a good background to like look at that through yeah no totally like I would, I would need a very traditional uh, Digimon series, but uh, alongside it, because like Digimon, like is very much about like like ultimately like hope and good triumphing and stuff like that. Like it's about teamwork and like kids growing into like the best versions of themselves, and just like having a complete like uh, deconstruction of that. Like I would need like so like a a genuinely like true to self Digimon series alongside that in order for me to like vibe with it, honestly. I think I think what, how how it would work is that you have rather than making it like the crux of the series or or like it's about this thing, 
have the notion of like a world where yeah they like kids who can like interact with the digimon or whatever are being used by you know corporations or or or, or countries for like espionage reasons or what have you have that be like a backdrop and then have the main character just be like someone who's like rebelling against this you know someone or or someone who gets roped into it um and then there's like it's part of like a liberation front for the digimon or something like that. Have it from that angle right. where you're you're directly okay. addressing that, that this is that. not good, and this is not good, and this needs to be stopped, so that you you have a sense of like you know um you know the the little guy versus the empire or whatever. Because if you just had that concept, but you're just exploring it as like how would this play out in real life or whatever, or something like that, you know. Um, the answer would be as soon as someone gets war Greymon, it would play out very horribly. <laughs> It's, it's just yeah, it's the same thing. It's like I don't want to see. I won't want to see like a Digimon series about like NFTs or something like you know. I don't want to see. You know, <laughs> spoke it into on the black you spoke it into existence, and I am just so scared now. <laughs> I, so what, I can't I wait. Want... I can't wait for Atmon sequel uh, Digimon <laughs> NFT Mons. Yeah, it's the it's the kind of thing where it's like on in paper, I would be really interested in the concept of like. Okay, what if they were just selling these things on the black market or whatever, and and all like, and then actually it turns out they're real, and what that means in the digital world is like really messed up or something. That could, that's like a a a a thought exercise, I suppose, which is kind of interesting. But the actual reality of it would be like something that I probably wouldn't want from the series, um, at least not again, unless they were coming up from it from the angle of like there are heroes who are going to stop this, because ultimately that's what that's what the show. That's what the stories need in this world. Is the is the heroes is the, is the person that understands that Digimon are are alive essentially and not just computer yeah. code. You know, it's the same thing that happens. It's essentially the, the Digimon Emperor here yeah, with the kids and the Emperor in Ken not not being aware of that sort of thing. So, but yeah, well, like um, on a much more impressive concept, scale, I think. Okay, when you bring it up like that, yeah, I can I could vibe with that more. You should basically what I'm saying is. Take those ideas, go in hard with them, like go in, use use real life examples of like how technology has been utilized with without due care and so on, um, and like the you know, military applications of technology and things like that. Use that as like a as like a a backdrop or a motivation or what have you. But it can't be what the story is about because at that point you're writing a different show. Uh, at that point you're writing like Akira or something. Like you need to you need to write a good versus evil show because that's what Digimon is, you know. I don't know. I feel like I feel like you could you could approach this the same way that people approach Gundam, where it's more like a canvas on which to explore your own stories rather than having to follow the same like idea. Because like, there's so many different Gundam shows. Like, there's like G Gundam is a super robot fighting tournament one with crazy over the top shonen action, and then yeah. um you know War in the Pocket is a super small scale contained character study. Um you know that basically features like four main characters and no stakes beyond the immediate conflict. And both of those are equally good and equally valid. I mean, I mean, War in the Pocket's better quality-wise, but, like, they both exist within the same multiverse, and, like, they don't invalidate each other in any way. They just no, no, have different tones. I, I, think, I think Gundam is a more, like, concrete... Not concrete, but, like, it's... Malleable? What is Gundam actually about? It, it, it's just... It's just... Broad, I suppose, is the, is the word I'm looking for. Like, Gundam is, is, is a space war. Fragment series, essentially. You know, it's 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 Japanese Star Wars. Like that's 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 essentially the gist of it. Or maybe, or maybe like Star Trek or something. I don't know. But the point is, is that it's a more broad concept to work with. 
Whereas Digimon is very, Digimon's more specific. And I feel like you've already seen a large number of the various different permutations of that idea that you can have with while it's, with with it still being recognisable. Um, and at some point you maybe go a bit too far. I won't necessarily say that I don't think they should try that because I think they should push the envelope as much as possible. Like as much as Adventure Twenty Twenty seems cool, I kind of would have preferred that they do something else or you know something else that wasn't like. Appmon or whatever, because that just didn't seem to go anywhere. But you, you know what I mean, right? I, I'd rather they push the envelope as much as they possibly can in terms of tone and so on. But I don't know if they're that'd be going too far to be like Digimon or slaves of the corporations. This is their story or whatever. It's like ugh, no, at least at least not yet. This I think anime series like an, is uh, is dedicated to the brave Mujahideen fighters. <laughs> <laughs> that's not real <laughs> we, we've been through this um uh yeah anyway sorry that's, that's uh, my... piggybacking off uh you tom uh scrafty i get what you're saying about gundam like being like this like canvas but for me i genuinely feel like the sort of uh core tenets of like what makes digimon and like this is just my opinion of like i said before like kind of like a, uh like a kids like it becoming the best version of themselves like a a story of like hope and like goodness trying to think like i understand like that the story like as we think about it would would wouldn't be like just pure like constant like dread but i it feels sort of at odds with what i consider to be like digimon in a way so it's like what i think that'd be interesting yeah totally and i would totally give it a chance if it was like done by people like this who are talented and like who are known for doing these sort of deconstructions and, like, these criticisms. But at the same time, it wouldn't feel, like, Digimon to me in a way. And I don't know if that's just me, but that's just what I, that's just how I think about it. I would say, just just as sort of, like, a closing thought here, is that, like, this is something that the series could get to at this point, but I think they need to... There are there step, stepping stones to this sort of thing which the show still needs to do. Like, I would say, like, you know, Tamers was a turning point for the show and what it could be, or for what Digimon could be. Yeah. And then again, like, Cyber And this could, that, that idea could very well be a modern-day Tamers. Yeah, or like, yeah, or like Cyber Sleuth was another one where you had a different tone for, for the show, uh, for, the, for the brand or whatever, than what we've seen before. Like, there are stepping stones to this sort of thing, and I think... Uh, uh, Last Evolution Kazuna, I think, is the most recent, like, substantial... Um, milestone, I suppose, in terms of like the shows. I keep saying the show, but you know what I mean. In, in terms of like the the brand and like tone and so on and whatever they're able to do, you know. So there were there were there were things that I think they need to do first before they get to, you know, uh, like uh, corpo military application of Digimon or something like that. I feel like there's there's some <laughs> they maybe need to play around a bit more with the with the world and so on. And, and figure out what works, what doesn't, before they get to that point. I, know, I, I think that this could be the thing to do it, though. I think this could be a good way to, to hash out, you know, how how far you can push it, and then make your your boundaries around there. Oh, I, I definitely agree. I just I just think that, and this is just me, of course. Like I think this is a fascinating idea, but Digimon definitely does have core tenets of like like of what I've mentioned before. Like I think those need to be able to be represented. Otherwise, it's not Digimon. It would just be like a very like dark rim edgy series that has a Digimon code of paint. Yeah, 
those tenants can be can be shifted and like played around with and so on. But it, it that needs yeah, to I mean, so it that, can't just that's be like you can't totally can't happens with uh, tamers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, overall though, yeah, they should they should definitely you know play around with the idea, and I like I like the I like the idea as a as a standalone premise and so on. It's 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 interesting. Um, and of course, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in general, generally speaking, I have zero objection to any sort of new take on the on the world as long as it's uh, you know well made. And obviously, the proposition here is that it would be well made. So that's the fun thing about uh, hypotheticals, I guess. Yeah, given the hypothetical, it's like yeah, uh, totally. But uh, in real life, like probably not. I'm gonna I'm gonna propose a Digimon show which is actually it's, it's actually made. By people who don't know what they're doing, <laughs> and it's called and it's called Digimon Frontier. Oh, okay. anyway. oh, <laughs> no, burn! I don't, I don't Got him! Okay. I don't know. I've not seen that show. Destructive finish. It, well, it single-handedly tanked the franchise for four years, so you're not wrong. Okay, fair. Yeah, okay. Well, I, I'll stick to my guns then. Do we have any? CD Projekt Red presents Digimon Cyber Sleuth. <laughs> I play that. God, <laughs> I don't know what, but I play that. Uh, RSG, you want to see more Gabumon? Yes. So, what did you say? Scrappy? Go ahead. So, the other question we have this week is from uh, listener Kyle K. And Kyle asks um, if you could bring any one shot villain back for a new season of the show, well, who would you want to bring back and why? One shot. One shot. So, I guess he means like, like a, a villain who wasn't the main villain, but was in like an episode okay. or two. Okay. Oh, right. I see. Um... Is it cheating to say Millennium on? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I understand that he has a whole Wonder Swan game, but two whole Wonder Swan games. <laughs> two whole Wonder Swan games. Just is, is machine machine Drummon? Is that an okay answer, or is that it, 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 he's kind of a main villain, but like not really because he's only in a few episodes. He is only in no, like two I, episodes. I think I think that counts. Yeah, he's not he's not the main antagonist of an arc. Yeah. Yeah. yeah machine Drummon then he rules. He's great. Like. Fantastic, just really fun designs, super menacing, really into it. This is this is tough. Yeah, I'm. Hmm. Can I say Oikawa? I know he sounds like a one shot villain, but like, <laughs> no, he's a villain. He's the villain of the song. <laughs> like, let's be real. Yeah, um... like, you can't, you can't say Oikawa. As much as I would like to let you say Oikawa, you. If I can't say Millennium on, you can't say Oikawa. Okay. Um. <laughs> Okay, you know what? I'll choose uh, Chim- Does Chimeramon count? Because he was like. Sure, yeah. That's I, 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 I think, uh, Yeah, that's fair game. Because, like, he was super powerful. The, the idea behind him being, like, an amalgamation of Digimon, like, that's a neat idea. And he was just super powerful and deadly. And I, you know what? I would, Chimeramon looks dumb, but I would love to see more of him. Yeah, Ken is the villain in that, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Cameron's just uh, just the monster of the week, essentially. Yeah, I'm I'm getting way uh, I'm getting way ahead of things. I'm gonna say Darkramon from Savers because it's my favorite Digimon of all time, and it its portrayal in Savers is one of my least favorite things about that show. <laughs> it gets a really raw deal, and I'm not happy with it. So, looking forward to that then. I would I would very much like um that bad boy brought back with like proper his proper lore explorer because his lore is so freaking cool. Like it's a tank Dramon that got scrapped by Bunch of Leomon and rebuilt into like a basically like a Metal Gear, specifically to kill Bunch of Leomon. And I want them to have their fated duel. I want to see that. I want to see that all that like come to light. That, that sounds good. 
But yeah, that's that's my answer. I know that that's not like the most interesting because I'm one of four people that I know who's actually seen Savers. But yeah, that's <laughs> hey, I'd be lying if I said we'll, anyone else. We'll join we'll join the ranks soon enough. I'm yeah, sure. that that number will come to six like next year. So <laughs> next, yeah, probably, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, I like um. Oh, what's it called? Uh, I always forget its exact name, but the Gigidramon or whatever, you know, like the dark evolution of... Uh, of uh, Oh, yeah, of Gilmon. Yeah. Oh, Mag- yeah, Megidramon would be very good. Megidramon, yeah, he's he's gnarly. Like, School Grimmon makes a few appearances there and again, but School Grimmon also also looks really silly and some, sometimes he has kind of like a... Like, I, I, think, I think we may have mentioned this before, but like his design kind of has a vibe of like the... the 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 uh, Godzilla from like the Roland Emmerich Godzilla film. Um, <laughs> he kind of has a similar like stance and so on, and poise. I don't know. There's, there's something goofy. There's something goofy about Skull Grimon. Uh, yeah, not so much. He's just very threatening. So Ma- yeah, Megidramon yeah, is like a hundred percent concentrated menace. Yeah, I realize I just give two answers, but you know what? <laughs> it's a fun, oh, it's a fun oh, talk okay. exercise. <laughs> Well, yeah, fun question. Yeah, I mean that's 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 a that's a good question because like if you were to ask like the villains, we'd probably be like, you know, like Myotismon or Oikawa. Yeah. But exactly. or in my case, like Edamon. But Edamon, yeah, Edamon's yeah. I was thinking of Edamon at first until I realized it was minor. He he's got else. his whole dig arc. He came back as well. <laughs> he got he got to come back. Yeah, so. and he came back. Yeah. So he, he already had his due. Yeah, he he got his uh his time in the sun, and he got a decent yep. tan from it too. Uh-huh. Yeah. Thank thank you for the barely contained pity laughs. Uh yeah. <laughs> thank you and thank you for uh let's <laughs> for the my head thank you Kyle K for the question. Yes, was, uh, by the way, a, I love I love you I like in these, uh, I, I like I I can I just say to can I, to the listener uh, I loved you in uh, Star Wars Dark Forces so you know, keep up keep up the fight. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, okay. That's that's good. That's good. Yeah, I, I like these questions where it's like, <laughs> oh, I actually have to like really think like hard about this type of thing. Yes, it's fun having to think. It's not. That's I the first time I've ever had. That is the first time I've ever heard anyone say that. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't be me. Yeah. Couldn't be me. Yes. Couldn't be me. No thoughts had oh. empty unless it's about Digimon. <laughs> well, yeah, this was about Digimon, so there we go. That's all good. Okay, you're right. Shall we bring so it to thank you, everyone. a close? Yeah, thank you everyone for the questions. Uh, they yeah, mean a lot, you. as always. You know where to find us if you want to send us anything, especially because we're coming up on the end of the series. And aside from that, Scrafty, what have you been up to this past week? Uh, the answer, as usual, is not a whole lot. Uh, my friend's birthday was uh, earlier this week. It would have been last week as the time this goes up. Uh, and she did a huge... Um, like marathon stream to raise money for the uh, mermaids charity in, in the uk awesome uh and so oh, as yeah. part of that i played like seven hours of valheim with her and that game was actually pretty darn cool yeah i've noticed you playing that recently like yeah i i she bought it for me so i could play with her <laughs> for the stream um i'm saving my money for for a couple reasons right now um but uh yeah like it's i it's not usually the kind of game i enjoy but it, it was really fun like I'm not usually someone who enjoys like games with tons of crafting and customization and whatever. Uh, nor am I usually a fan of survival simulators, but this one has like 
I'm gonna make everyone who's listening facepalm super hard. This this one has like a bit of Dark Souls thrown in there as well with uh, oh, the way no. that the, the way that the death system works and uh, the combat works as well. Um, like you have a stamina bar uh, that is used for running and jumping and attacking and dodging and blocking. Um, and when you if you die, all of your items uh, get lost, but you can go back to where you died to pick them back up again. Um, and it just it feels very exciting because of that because like there's a Dark Souls style like parry system as well. So if you parry the enemy's attack just right, you can get big damage on them. Uh, and kind of managing like the risk reward of do I try to attack a couple more times to finish them off, um, or should I conserve that stamina for dodging because they're gonna hit me back as soon as they recover from the parry. Uh, it makes it very engaging and and more fun than I was expecting it. Uh, plus like. It's a super, super buzzword, but it's one of the few examples of, like, a really good emergent game I've seen, like, the, the of quality emergent gameplay, because um, there are a couple moments in uh, the games that we, we played uh, over the course of the stream where, like, we crafted organic narratives by accident just based on random things that happened to us. Like, one time... Um, we were sailing on a boat to to go find an island uh, that had a crypt we needed, that had items we needed. We found an island, it was not the one we needed, and it was full of extremely difficult enemies that one-shot my friend, essentially. Um, and I was left with myself, I had never even piloted the boat before, but I had to um, pilot the boat to back to shore. And I didn't have any resources, I didn't know how to get back home. But what I did know is that my friend had a portal opened back at our, our home base that we set up. So I had to farm enough items to build a portal on that small little abandoned island so that I could, you know, I could get her and come uh, get her stuff and whatever. And that, like, experience of, like, I need to grind out all these items before night falls, because once night falls, all the tough enemies come out and they're going to one-shot me. Um, and that added, like, pressure from mistakes that we made in the game. Like, there's no story being told, but it felt very much like an organic version of the uh, the Breath of the Wild, like, island of, like challenge island area, where it yeah, takes all your yeah. items away and you have to just, like, grind out stuff on your own. Eventide, yeah, yeah. Which one the best yeah, Eventide, that's the one. I've, you, um, it's so funny. I've heard that same story that you've just told from, like, other people as well. Like, so, it's not like it's a scripted event or anything, when I say that. I mean, I've heard other people, like, having the same problem of, like, oh, I just got too big for my boots and then suddenly I'm having to, you know, like, race against time to, like, save my ass. <laughs> so yeah. it's really fun to see that that sort of thing. Uh, and I was going to say, a lot of what I've seen of that game, big, big Breath of the Wild vibes, so glad to see that's the case for while playing Yeah, like well. I've, heard it, I've heard it compared to Minecraft, but it really does feel more like Dark Souls crossed with Breath of the Wild with uh, a bit of, like, base building and crafting on the side as well. Yeah. Some of the crafting I've seen coming out of that game has been pretty, pretty, uh, pretty impressive. But it also kind of makes me feel like it's it's a you know it's a crafting game, which really puts me off just because it's not the kind of game I play. But I don't think it necessarily is that. So um, it'd be something that I'd definitely be checking out if I had a PC. <laughs> but you know, if if not for that boundary, I think I'd be all over it. It seems really cool. Yeah, it's. It's a good time. Like I, I, again, I don't usually enjoy this kind of game, and I think if I was playing it just for myself, I wouldn't enjoy it very much. But like having people there that actually enjoy the crafting <laughs> takes the edge off of it because it means that I can just like do the cool adventure stuff and the you know the combat and not have to worry about sitting down like thirty wood to to build a a cabin because my friend's like, oh, here I have a spare cabin, you can just take that. Um, 
that will sound preferable. Yeah, so that that was that was a really fun time. Um, other than that, I've basically just been hanging out, uh, watched a couple movie, movies with my girlfriend, but nothing that's like. Oh, sorry, there was one that was notable. Uh, we watched this Japanese uh, horror film, uh, more of a horror comedy called One Cut of the Dead. Have either of you heard of that before? I have heard of no. that. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's literally what it sounds like, right? It's a horror film in a single shot. Yeah, it's a zo- it's a zombie comedy with a single shot and one of the most interesting plot twists I've ever seen in a movie before. Huh, okay. I know that's that's high praise, but like go don't look up anything in this movie. Don't do any like for, you know, pre- prior research. Don't watch the trailer, don't do anything. I went into it entirely blind and I had such a good time with it because they like the plot twist just like blindsides you and once you realize what kind of a movie it is, you're like, "Okay, this is awesome." It's super good. I, I even if you're not good with horror or gore or whatever, like it's it's very light. Like it's it's extremely accessible and easy to get into. Like it's uh, there's no like super graphic stuff. There's no um, you know explicit violence. All the violence happens off screen because you know it's one shot. They they can't afford to mess it up. So sure. Oh, okay. Right. Interesting. Okay. What's the what's the so, movie called again? Uh, one cut of the dead. I know it's available for streaming on Shutter right now. If anyone has a subscription to that or wants to make a trial to it, I think it's also available on Blu-ray for fairly cheap. Um, I just watched it on Shutter uh, through a free trial, but it's uh, definitely worth worth a look if you if you're interested in um, either horror or comedy. Like if you're interested in either of those genres, definitely check this out. It's it's a great time. No, I might have to check that out. That sounds pretty good. Good stuff. Yeah, I might have to do that too. Yeah. How about you, Tom? What have you been up to, and where can we find you? You can find me as always on uh, Twitter dot com at coldmanhot is my username. Um, and feel free to you know hit me up with any uh, any well, whatever you like really. Uh, as long as you're not being uh, rude or anything, I'm probably yeah happy to chat to anyone. Um, I have been playing, uh, and I say have been playing. I finished uh, Nojia. Uh, which is the like single player visual novel among us type thing where it's like yeah rooting out imposters amongst the group uh to put them into deep freeze and save your crew from being taken over by aliens and what have you so pretty um pretty good game i really enjoyed it um got a good few fair amount of time out of it i thought the story goes to some cool places in terms of its sci-fi premise and you know it has some form of like the idea of you know interdimensional stuff and what have you so it's really really interesting uh i think the localization is pretty good i know they just patched it to like take out a lot of the like more um uh iffy stuff i'm not sure how to phrase it offensive stuff (laughs) let's just say that like there's some bad stuff in there about like non-binary people and stuff which they which they have yeah now uh I would say completely corrected. Like the, the I noticed the differences uh, after the patch went live the other week, and uh, it's very good. So one of my major complaints about that game has kind of been uh, corrected, and uh, I will just say it's a very, very, very uh, good time. Uh, if you're going into expecting a full-blown visual novel, be aware that it is a game about deduction and so on. The visual novel parts of you are like rewards for playing the game well, essentially. So it's it's way more of a game than you may be initially expecting um but it's great i think it's really fun i think the characters are really fun uh the artwork is really cool 
and um, yeah, I really enjoyed the ending. Um, the true, the, there's a true ending which is a bit of a faff to get, and I did end up looking it up because I was just, I just kind of wanted to see it without messing anything up or what have you, or going around in circles. And and I'm glad I did because it was kind of like, well, I don't know, I, I would have, I don't think I would have figured that out by myself. So that's fine. Yeah, and it was, and it was a very. Is sweet it like ending. zero escape um, levels of finding out like how to get a true ending? Um. Off the top of my head, I'm not sh- I'm not too sure to compare. I guess it's probably similar, but it's more straightforward as well. Okay. Like the method is the method is obtuse, but once you actually know what to do, it's kind of like oh well, that's that's not hard in the slightest. It's just it's just knowing. So um, okay, but yeah, I'd say it's worth it because it it it's like an extra ten minutes on top of the usual ending. So, but the notion is very good. Um, I played that and I also replayed Super Metroid yesterday. Um because it's been ages since I played it, I just fancied something in that vein, and I kind of thought, well, I could play, like, you know, I could replay Hollow Knight or something like that again, or I could just replay Super Metroid, because that's, like, the game in that series, in that genre, and it's been a while since I played it. So uh, I'm glad I did, because that game still holds up incredibly well. Uh, the day we're recording this, it's Super Metroid's uh, 26th anniversary, I want to say. Oh, that, that's uh, awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Well, tw- no, no, sorry, 20... Metroid. 27. 27, sorry. 27. So, Happy 27th that... birthday, Super Metroid. Yeah, so that game still holds up super well. Um, I would encourage everyone to, if you've never played it, just get the get the Nintendo subscription for a month, like, and, and get that get the SNES app and and do that and you'll be uh, you'll be over the moon because I think it holds up really, really well. Um other than that, um, not a lot of us, really. No, just sort of, you know, uh, bumbling along, trying to, you know, get by in the in the pandemic and all that. But yeah, I'm uh, things have been good. So, um, so yeah, that's what I've been up to. Um, Sloan, how about yourself? And where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at Sloan Reset on Twitter. Uh, I haven't been up to much this week. Uh, I spent kind of a lazy weekend. Uh, playing a lot of Persona 5 Royal. Last night I got to the whole like end of like November stuff and I forgot how much like that game sort of pops off and like you're spending like two hours like just like in pure like cutscene stuff and it's like actually like, really great. Like it's it's not the game that I I completely wanted, but I'm I'm still like really appreciating it. And I think it's just like a really good game. Like I think I said it before on the podcast. It's like a comfort food game. Like I love being able to just like go and just like play a bunch of it. But this also means I haven't played much of anything else, so I need to get uh, to Nausea again because I really want to beat that. I'm so fascinating, fascinated by finding out more about it. Uh, also, Into the Breach, I've been still playing that. That game is still super fun, and I know I'm going to lose like a lot more time in that. Like I've been getting a bunch of the achievements on PC. Uh, there's one where you have to like beat like uh, the game with like three flying mechs. So I did that with like three of the jet mechs, which are overall like kind of weak, but they have like one of their abilities is like you jump over um, a bug or anything, really, and you put a cloud of smoke down, which will um, uh, uh, cancel attacks. So a lot of it was just me like trying to figure out, okay, there's a lot of enemies on the field because I can't kill them all. So what what is the best course, uh, method of operations to use to minimize the damage I'm going to take with what I have? And it was, it was a lot of fun. Like, that was genuinely a great experience I've had in a game. So it's, it's a really good game. And I've been, 
it's it's really good. I've just been really enjoying playing it. I I honestly think this might be like one of the first games I might just like get all the achievements for just because it's like they're all like basically just you doing like challenge runs or getting like little challenges like done like in terms of the the the, the games and your runs itself. So it's not like you're doing like extra superfluous things except for like there's one thing where it's like like there's some like special methods to recruit like one pilot which I have to look up again. But yeah, I'm really enjoying that. I put in like a bunch of time into it like the past few weeks and that game rocks. And then after P5R, I'm going to like take a break from long games and probably play like Luigi's Mansion 3 and Pikmin 3. So because I just, I need a break from like really long experiences for a while, honestly. I've played back to back to back Sakura Wars, 13 Sentinels, and now P5R. So I just need a, I need some like breathers in, in between all those. Yeah, I think it's there's so much to play lately, and I get the feeling it might there be is. quite. It might be a bit of a quiet year uh, when all said and done compared to last year, just because of COVID and so on. Uh, you know, impacting games coming out and, and what have you. I don't think there's that much on the horizon that I'm particularly interested in. I mean, I guess it all comes down if like to like if Zelda comes out this year, but or, or you know, or Digimon Survive. <laughs> fingers crossed. Um, but um, yeah, I think it, there's always there's always something to play and. I think um, I think mixing it up in terms of genres and stuff is key, really. So there's always some, yeah, like yeah, because I also have Tokyo Mirage sessions, and I don't want to jump immediately into like another hundred hour RPG after finishing Persona Five Royal. Like <laughs> that'll just burn me completely. Like I will not like be able to handle that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play some like light and easy games after this. I and get through Noja, of course. But really, that's been all I've been up to. Uh, yeah. Really just that. Uh, next week, we are covering episodes... Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're covering episodes 48 and 49. And we're... We're just almost there. I... I don't know what else to say, except I'm I'm as ready as I'll ever be for that epilogue. Which is to say, not very. Yeah. <laughs> we're almost there. We've been talking about this for... Almost a full year at this point. Like, wow, next next month is our our one year anniversary doing this podcast. Yeah, huh? I think it's like April twenty seventh. I want to say is our is our one year anniversary. I'm not sure. That's wild. God, but right. yeah, I didn't think of that. Yeah, we, I think I think episode like two of this podcast we started mentioning the epilogue. So like we've been <laughs> we've been talking about this for <laughs> for quite a while, and we're finally about to get there. We're final. We're almost there. April April twenty second is uh, going to be our first birthday. Which will have an episode coming out that day, too, because of, uh, that's a Thursday, so, wow, we're gonna have to do something special for that one-year anniversary at some point. What if we watched some Digimon and then spoke about it? That's, that's a good idea. idea. I like, I like I kinda, the way I kind of like that. Yeah, that's a good idea. We'll, we'll <laughs> do that. Cool. Sounds great. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been the Novacast, and we'll see you next time. Cool. See you next time.